computers, mm. as am I, you know, on Zoom meetings, as am I. And, uh, you know, that, that, that that's not going to hit us. We're actually driving our cars significantly less. It's going to hit people that have to, have to actually physically show up to work right. and actually do physical things. And, uh, you know, I... You know, this is just the kind of wonky thinking of a, of a person who has never lived in a neighborhood like mine, you know, whose parents are, who went to good schools and whose parents are professionals, and so everybody they know is professional. So some things sound like a good idea, and they have no idea how it, uh, you know, how it evolves. In fact, you know, the whole yellow jacket movement, uh, you know, the, these enormous, like, millions on the streets sometimes with real guillotines on a right. couple occasions, yeah. pushing Macron back on his austerity program. Well, that was triggered. A lot of things that happened. Macron, of course, cut taxes on the wealthy, and then he started talking about scaling back on the pensions because, you know, the... Uh, the EU rules say you cannot run up a deficit beyond a certain a point. And then, then he said he was going to start taxing gas. And again, that was the last straw. That's what, and the yellow jackets, uh, because everybody has a yellow kind of reflector jacket in their car in case they Right, it was, it, it was like solidarity with drivers. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, you know, this is the kind of thing. Again, it, it's just uh, it, it's just so toned up. Um, they are they are going to scale uh, limit the cost on some drugs, like some insulin. That was something I picked up. The word some some insulin will be capped at thirty five dollars a month, which means. <laughs> the pharmaceutical companies are going to come up with some, like, proprietary new insulin, they're going to a minor tweak on a delivery system, and then, you know, that's what everybody's going to have to buy. This is just crazy. And besides which, it doesn't kick in until 2023, which I believe comes after 2022. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. It's like, what are these guys, are, are they really trying to lose? I mean, they're trying to lose. Well, so we were talking human nature. The, the, the poem that Howie Klein, I forgot the, the person who wrote, first they came for the gypsies, I said nothing because I wasn't oh, a gypsy. Yeah. First they came for the Jews, I said nothing about it. It's a famous, I should not be running through it like that. It's a great, I cannot tell you the number of times I've become terrified by the prospects of this country, and then I think, well, you know, will they come for, you know, is this going to affect me? You know, we all do that. Well, when you look at the Democratic Party, do you think Nancy Pelosi is worried about the end of democracy or Schumer? Or their families, or mansion, or cinema—they're not going to—they're not going to even know. That horse left the barn some time ago. They wouldn't uh, even I mean, know if it's. They're over. not worried about anything. Yeah. They're not worried about anything. They were only worried about Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. and then they were worried that the squad might make, you know, some kind of impact. There might be some kind of real, you know, impact the squad would do. They're not worried about them anymore. Nancy Pelosi is beaming. She doesn't care if the Democrats win or lose. It's just that she's in control of the Democratic Party. And, you know, there doesn't seem, at least in her mind, 
she thinks that she squelched, you know, this progressive uprising. She isn't aware of uh, our friend Junaida Mudd, for instance, who is uh, going to get him on the show. We still don't know what the maps are, by the way, the state of Illinois. That's still yet to be... Uh, we kind of got that, a good idea. Do you know if Illinois is losing any districts or gaining? It's, or, it's gaining. It's lost one. It lost one. Yeah, Illinois lost one district. So the Democrats have been busy gerrymandering the hell out of this. <laughs> I think some maps are hilarious. Right. Um, but uh, I, I think I mentioned here that the thing that kind of hit progressives was they seem to have carved out a lot of uh, Marie Newman's district. And uh, so Dan Lipinski, the really hideous pro-life Democrat that she beat finally, finally uh, is been making noises like he's running for his old seat. His so father's seat. Newman, Isn't it his father's uh, seat? So, this is his father's seat, right? What's that? Wasn't it his father's seat? Yeah, she's uh, decided that she's not going to run in that district, that she's going to run in the 6th district, which is where most of her, her uh, which a lot of her district is going to be in, the new 6th district. And that's currently uh, Sean Caston's district, another new Dem, you know, mm -hmm. conservative Dem. And so, uh, and that's got the party kind of pissed off because she could possibly win that primary, even with all his money, even though he's, you know, the Democratic Party loves him. But, uh, you know, so that's going to be a little bit of drama. Um, I am, not, but the uh, the person I mentioned, Judina Ben uh, Ahmad, he is uh, raising a lot of money. He seems to be doing everything right. He is, he might possibly be to the left of me. I find that kind of stunning. But, okay. uh, you know, he, he so he's, uh, but he, but he spoke at the March for Medicare for All rally down in, in Chicago this summer, and he was the last speaker, and boy, was he on fire. I've never seen him actually speechify. I've seen him speak in small groups, and, you know, he's very intelligent, he's great, but um, I didn't know if he could rile up a crowd. He, he can. So I'm very hopeful for that. What, is uh, keep, and, what keeps you up at night? What do you, when you think about the, the Illinois Aurora and the country in the next two years, what what is... What keeps you up? Well, I'll tell you what What kind of uh, rattled me Friday night. So we heard about the verdict. Wasn't surprised. I'm sitting here, and I'm actually trying to get into the office hours, and then suddenly I'm hearing yelling outside. Okay, there's oftentimes people yelling, but there was a lot of yelling. And then I heard gunfire, or what I thought was gunfire, and I'm going, Holy crap, we're going to have a riot down here. I get my hatchet. <laughs> I run out my back porch because, you know, uh, I don't know what I was going to do with it. It was scary. I had no idea. Right. And then in front of me, I saw these absolutely stunning fireworks that were coming from downtown Aurora. And it turned out that this was uh, the lighting of the, Christ of the holiday tree ceremony downtown uh -huh. Aurora. Friday before Thanksgiving, 
And these were just wonderful fireworks. And then I'm looking outside, and there's just tons of people, you know, that are going downtown, and they're just, and it's like, this is a great town. Nobody's right. riding. It's all right. kind of, you know, right. it's just a wonderful party. Very right. multiracial. Ah, I love this town, you know. Right. But it, it was me that was, that, that was kind of getting all riled up about this. So it's like, I have to learn how to, like, relax a little bit. You know? and, and turn off the TV. Not that you watch TV, but turn off the TV. No, turn off. I get off the Facebook. Um, at watch an episode of The Twilight Zone, listening to Professor John talk about right. an episode of The Twilight Zone. That was that's fantastic. We, yeah. So Office Hours has become so great because it mm -hmm. has nothing to do with me. And just, uh, you know, it, it's just so great to, to watch it go in all these different directions. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it, it has become the, the, the mark. I, I know it's the end of the week when it's, when it's office hours. I, I really look forward to it. It's, it's oh. such a big part of my, I'm so grateful for everybody who, who comes and, either lurks or, or expresses themselves and watching the twilight zone with everybody is so much fun because anyway uh anyway it, it, you were mentioning earlier artists well there is a zoe matheson that joins us once in a while and this is what i got in the mail the other just a couple days ago it's her this is her book this is her kids book it's all her illustrations and it's something it's about a straw who's discarded, who realizes he's not biodegradable and that he could possibly cause all kinds of havoc with, you know, creatures in the wild. And it's let, let me see this. I've seen her next. She's, she's, yeah. she's, she did all the illustrations. I think she wrote it. No, she wow. wrote the whole Why don't we have her on the show? Why don't you interview That's her? That's what I say. Why don't Why you don't interview her? her? She says maybe. <laughs> we'll, maybe. We'll, we'll dragoon her for Thanksgiving, maybe. That's a good Christmas gift. Oh, my gift. God. I mean, look at this. Look, look at this. this she, she also sent me some of her prints. Holy crap. Holy crap. That's the way I wanted to draw when I was in high school. Wow. She's got, she's got some amazing, I would almost be, call it bejeweled realism because it's like, Realism, but it's not ugly. Even though this is, yeah, there's um, uh, a waiting bird with a piece of plastic that's in its. You know, We're getting a reflection. Can you tilt it? Okay, is it is it okay? Excuse <laughs> me. Tilt it to. There, that's better. Oops, wow. Yeah. That's a mullet. A gullet. That's a gullet. He's got a little piece of plastic in his gut. You know, in his craw there. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it's all kind. Of, she sent me these. And here, oh, this is so sad. I mean, they're sad and they're tragic and they're gorgeous. This one I like because it's like you, you see a mama bird and all the baby birds, and a mama bird's got a plastic butterfly that she's trying to feed her baby birds. It's so sad. I mean, that, uh, I mean, it's beautiful and sad, and it just pushes right. the point home that it, more than any, like, political diatribe. It's just, you know, these are just amazing pictures. Oh, I like this one. Thank you for doing she that. Did a, she did a, a picture. Uh, wow. Wow. Let me see. Hang on for one second. Let me see that. Wow. Wow. 
<laughs> oh, she's good. Wow. Damn, she's good. She's great. So anyway. Can you interview her about the book? And I'll well, I've been trying to, to, yes, I said, you know, she doesn't, she wants to do an office hour. She said, we just should have her on the show, but uh, she didn't know what to do. I said, well, would you want me to just interview you? I'll just ask you a couple questions and then you can take off. So, right. But, no. Wow. Anyway. Uh, I'll just high praise coming from so high praise coming from you. The little the little straw has a happy ending kind of because he gets he gets inside of a whale and he gets you know he comes out the whale's blow blowhole on the top <laughs> and then he's like has a new mission in life that he's going to um, he's and he want he wants to see to it that he is the world's last straw that we don't have plastic straws the anymore. last straw what a great yeah, so gift uh, i mean this is fantastic so has the book been published yes you can get it she just sent it to me well, let's see but the title we, we let's get people to buy it for the holidays I, there, there's some you, you can get it on amazon but there are other booksellers that says it's the last straw zoe matheson spell matheson please it's m-a-t-t H I E S S E N. The last straw. The last straw. Yeah. Yeah. That. Thank you for doing that. And that's if you're looking to buy somebody a, a gift for their kid. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it should be really. It should really be for the parents. Yes. Somebody's in the chat. Got her. Has her uh, website too. So. Okay. What is it? ZoeMatheson.com, and it's in the chat, her whole name, www.ZoeMatheson.com. Right. It's just <sighs> That's really great. wonderful. Yeah. Anyway. But thank you. Thank you for and, that. Um, that cheered me up. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always looking for silver linings. Uh, I'm not such a gloomy person. But, uh, you know, I, I did say a quick last Friday about the verdict, I said, well, you know, um, on a bright note, that looks like uh, this citizen's arrest concept took a real hit, so things might look up in Georgia next week. I did, but the, so there's this problem. The Aubrey case. The Aubrey. Yeah. Huh? The, the Aubrey case. And they, they were doing, they had closing arguments today, and I did catch the defense's argument. Oh, my God. I mean, that was bad. <laughs> it's like she's uh, trying to build up this case where, you know, it, none of this had to have happened. There would have been no shooting if only Mr. Arbery had not fought the law. The law meaning these two chuckle nuts in the pickup truck with the shotgun that right. were self-deputized, you know, so right. they have a citizen's arrest because somebody said they saw somebody fleeing a scene of a crime because they saw a black man at this construction site, and it was just this guy just jogging through the neighborhood. That's, that's the short version of the story, but I think that's the essential version of the story. And so they're using, the defense has been using this uh, citizen's arrest. Um, the prosecution was kind of uh, was uh, the prosecution in the Rittenhouse case was kind of alluding to it, 
But uh, I talked to one of our mutual friends who is a lawyer about this. Is this even a thing? And they said, it, he says, it's a thing that's rarely used and it's very, very problematic. And according to what I read, the citizen's arrest actually has precedent in the South when it came to people who were not slave owners rounding up slaves that did not belong to them. Of course it did. Right. <laughs> it's just like, so I think that um, despite the fact that um, the the racial makeup of the uh, of the jurors is only one uh, one African American and eleven whites, I have a feeling that this case that there's going to be uh, convictions in this case, and that will be good. And if there aren't. That's going to be bad, but I actually think that um, they 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 will put a nail in this damn citizens arrest concept because that just kind of gives license to a mob in most cases, and you know that they they really it would really be a step for racial justice. Uh, and I'm most of the people that when I was in the South, I was at University of Alabama and I was at Florida State University, which is Tallahassee which most of the year is deepest Georgia around those areas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was struck by the fact that um, everything's way more integrated than the North. I was, at least in the 80s, you know, if you went to any college campus, Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, it was all of, every single dorm there, uh, when you'd go to the lunchroom, there, there was a table where African Americans sat, and they were kind of, self-segregating, but it was kind of almost a protective thing. And I was just used to that all through the South, you know, we just, or out through the North, the Northern campuses. That was the... When well, that was... When, that was everybody is integrated. That was so. after the Civil War. A lot of Northerners were shocked. I'm sorry, a lot of Southerners visiting the North were shocked by how segregated the North was compared to the South. Oh, absolutely. It, you yeah. know, so I go to Tallahassee. I'm the only University of Michigan person on my uh, on my uh, dissertation experiment. So I'm all with my Florida State colleagues down there, and it's just I never. I mean, every, it was completely integrated. So I am thinking that the uh, the defense was like super lame. As a matter of fact, when I was listening to that segment of the defense, I thought I heard an audible gasp when. The uh, one of the defense lawyers made that statement about he chose to fight, and people were just like, "What?" <laughs> I just thought I heard a "What?" <laughs> so let's keep our fingers crossed. But I really think that uh, we are going to see the right verdict in, in that case. And I think it, I, I'm just cautioning people. I warned you and I, about Rittenhouse, and it, and they were getting this so wrong on many specific counts anyway. And the problem isn't a 17-year-old kid. It's this whole system. Let's go back to the fact that the police officer that initiated this whole, you know, the, the three days of protesting and rioting put, uh, put seven bullets in the back of a suspect when he was sitting in the car with kids in the back seat of that car. And uh, Because he thought the guy had, he thought Jacob had a knife. He had a knife. He said he thought he had Jacob had a knife. Well, yeah, well, you're a trained, you're supposed to be a trained professional. <laughs> it's like maybe one shot possibly. Where are your tasers? Your tasers don't work. Well, you know, this is what you guys should be trained for. Instead, with everybody watching you do this, 
and uh, and there hasn't been any repercussions for this guy. I think they may be revisiting that. So you know, if if you don't want your towns on fire, and you know, Black Lives Matter people are not advocating rioting, looting, throwing bricks at these at one of the cops. Yeah, a cop got knocked out by somebody throwing a brick at him. I mean, that was in the neighborhood. You know, like right after after all these people watched what happened. So. Um, you know, yeah, and you've been very careful to point out that Black Lives Matter, that their protests are peaceful. It's the outside mm-hmm. agitators. It's the agent provocateurs. That's the definition of what an agent. Well, I don't even know if they're agent provocateurs. They might be just some people looking for action. I don't right. know, but they are definitely not Black Lives Matter protesters. Because people who run Black Lives Matter are under attack before the protest even starts. They can't make a single mistake. They know that any looting or any violence is a stain Mm -hmm. against them. And the right knows that as well. And there are Mm -hmm. false flag, hate to use the term, false flag operatives. It goes back to the 60s, you know, the, the FBI was always infiltrating what they considered dangerous groups. The joke was, had it not been for the FBI, nobody would have paid their dues to the Communist Party. One of the old jokes. So they could always tell who the FBI agent was because they were the ones paying their dues yeah. to the Communist Party. So, I, it, it, you know, I know that Tucker Carlson tonight is conflating. Black Lives Matter with the people who set the trash cans and the the car dealership on fire, and that is pundit malfeasance. But he's uh, predictable as, right. as anything else. So now the big question is: Are you going to be here for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I probably will. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to Michigan. Michigan, COVID is raging again. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying put. Yeah, it's up 22%. It was down uh, in America, and now the yep. two, two-week rolling day average is uh, 22% and climbing. In Michigan, I believe the seven-day moving average is higher than it's ever been. Not Biden's fault. Right? Oh, no, it's not anybody's fault. I think there is plenty of blame because this country can't get it together to listen to their scientists, you know, to to have any kind of national action like six-week shutdown. Before, I mean, we can't do that. Yeah, Ron Klain. From state to state to state, people opening way too soon, being pressured. And everybody's under the same pressure, by the way. So in some sense, all the politicians are under the the same pressure from business to get it open as soon as possible. And um, now we're just in uh, an endemic, and we just vaccinate, if nothing else, before yourself. Vaccinate for yourself. That's how you protect yourself. Wear masks and social distance after you vaccinate for everybody else and maybe you know although i do notice around here everybody's masking up now even in places we're not back to full lockdown like we were like the beginning of the pandemic but everyone is doing it anyway 
everyone's kind of behaving. I guess people are just realizing this never ends, you know, no. unless we behave. I, never ends. Well, I'm glad that's anyway. good news that uh, you're, you're going to be here Thursday. I'm very grateful. Uh, I sent you a Did you see the fan letter I sent you? Oh, yeah, I did. Somebody, yeah. Uh, I'd send you more, but I don't really, you know, it's not about me. <laughs> Professor Marianne Cummings is, uh, I'll do a better job of forwarding stuff that I can't answer email. I'm just overwhelmed, and I, there's, I have an inbox that I, it's, you know, for, it's, it's like that apartment that you live in that's just so run down. You go, why bother cleaning up? It's still going to be this You're run. just going to torch it anyway on the way out. Yeah, you know. so that's what my inbox looks like. Professor Marianne Cummings is a elected parks commissioner of Aurora, Illinois. She's also a physicist, and we will see you on Thursday for Thanksgiving. That's great news. And, hey, Peter. Bye. And I have to apologize for keeping you waiting, Professor, and I have to apologize to, to Peter B. Collins for keeping you waiting a half hour. We... It's, uh, I apologize. Uh, well, get on your knees, and uh, let me just tell you that during this time that you wasted, yes. uh, I've, I filed a grievance with the union. Thank you. Um, and I just completed a manicure. Ah. Um, I paid some bills. I set up a GoFundMe to get David Feldman an oven. Oh, thank How you. Did how do you live without an oven? Uh, well, I have a stove, and it's a gas stove, so I'm not thrilled about that. And the oven, the pilot light keeps going out. Uh, maybe the oven works, but there were some mice who took up residence in my... And, and which, which HUD project do you live in? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish Ben Carson or Marsha Fudge would show. No. Uh, so, I mean, come on, even on Section 8, you're entitled to an oven. I know, I know. Uh, but, you know, an oven, then I start baking bread, and I, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I, should, I'm, I was going to get an oven, but I found out that they would only give me a gas oven instead of an electric oven. So, I'm. Um, kind of, you know, what does it matter? Well, look, my brother my brother works for HUD, so I could help you get really? a oven. Sure, yeah. He works for HUD. Yeah, he's a, a manager of senior housing based in Chicago. So you got HUD problems, just uh, let me know. Yeah. HUD, I know you wanted to talk about Rittenhouse, as do I, but... The Faircloth Amendment, which I know nothing about, the we don't build housing in this country. Uh, to me, you read about this Faircloth Amendment, which said the government can't subsidize any public housing, any new public housing, unless they agree to take old public housing offline and turn it over to developers. I think this was 
Clinton era stuff. And so homeless increase, the population increases, the economy deteriorates, home prices, rent, the, the cost of renting skyrockets, and our government is frozen. The, the amount of not free housing, just public housing is right. frozen. And in America safe for the oligarchs. And and yeah. then we play stupid on the homeless question. Gee, we have to look like Jeffrey Katzenberg from DreamWorks is, is is you know, meeting with officials in Los Angeles because he doesn't understand why there's so many homeless in, in Los Angeles? Because there aren't enough, there isn't free housing the way there used to be. HUD Housing Urban Development was isn't that an LBJ era agency? Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened is after the wave of projects built starting under LBJ. Um, though the tax credits that were used to help fund uh, some of those projects expired. And so the Clinton administration allowed developers to uh, essentially uh, buy the, the bonds and the, or the tax credits uh, and start over. But instead of requiring them to build new units, they were instead granted approval to uh, re refurbish or rehabilitate certain projects with a component not of affordable housing, but a component of market rate housing. And the, uh, the cover story that was used was, well, you know, we're not going to build more ghettos. We're going to bring diversity to the projects by having people who pay full market rate for uh, a modest apartment <laughs> mm -hmm. join those who are being subsidized. And if there had been a net increase in available units at the affordable level, that might have some sensibility, but there weren't, and it don't. This is neo-feudalism. We're, we're heading to, it's not that, it's not that pronounced yet. Something like 2% of all homes in America are owned by private equity. So far, like Blackstone is getting into it, and yeah. Berkshire Hathaway, they're beginning to buy up homes to create rental properties, which is going to put handy men out of business and rental managers. It's just going to be the Blackstone groups, the, the you know, economy of scale, this is the house, and you have to call this number to get something fixed. We're all going to be renters. It, all, it actually started uh, after the Bush crash of 08, and Steve Mnuchin was one of the people who uh, profited in two ways. He ran a savings and loan that had one of the highest uh, foreclosure rates in the industry. And illegal, he, illegal foreclosures. Legal, yeah. Illegal. No, no. Well, he had, wasn't, he pro, wasn't he supposed to be prosecuted by our vice president? Who was the attorney? Well, they, they, they cut a few corners on the paperwork, 
Um, but, but by and large, uh, people were behind on their payments, and, you know, the bank took over. But what he did was with some of those profits, he got in with these private equity companies and started buying rental homes. Uh, and uh, I believe that equity now owns like 7% of the housing stock You're in the country. Right. It's, probably it's probably defined as housing right. stock under half a million or something like that. But they, they do have a, a large percentage of rental homes, uh, and you're right. Uh, we are creating uh, an expanding peasant class yep. in this country. The lawyers are doing it and the financiers. What you described, how they refinance the debt on public housing, then it becomes market to me, I go, whoa, 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 I don't understand how this works. And it's just confusing enough so the Clintons have cover. Nobody's, nobody in the Democratic Party is standing guard and being vigilant and protecting the renters. They're, they're, they're trying to make it to use HUD as a way to make housing unaffordable. The Well, the, and, and David, we also have the crunch of people who couldn't pay their rent when they weren't working during the COVID shutdown. And there is uh, somewhere around $50 billion in rental relief federal money that somehow cannot get through the pipeline to the people who badly need it. And the uh, rising rate of foreclosure, which is creating a new wave of homelessness, uh, is completely off the radar. Yeah. Uh, nobody's talking about that in Build Back Better. They used, didn't they use banks to distribute the the money, the rental, the the, the benefits to people who needed it? They, you had to go to a bank. It wasn't wasn't that was that was PPP Paycheck Protection Program. Right. That was the first wave of COVID relief. Uh, and they get I, I, billions of dollars in fees Yeah, banks. But I don't think the banks are handling the rental relief money. I think okay. it goes to county governments and sits in, a, in a, an account somewhere. Right. And the IRS is giving the child tax credit directly. That is correct. It's not going yeah. through banks. Yeah. Can I tell you a quick IRS story? Sure. Um, you know, when you get one of those official envelopes in the mail that says it's from the IRS, you cringe and you say, okay, what's this going to cost me? So I've gotten three letters in the last four months. The first one recalculated my 2020 taxes and gave me an additional refund of 4000 Then, out of the blue... They said, we made an error on your 2018 taxes, and here's another $4,000. <laughs> so uh, over the weekend, I got another notice from the IRS, and I just thought, wow, you know, this is better than buying Powerball tickets. Mm -hmm. uh, but this, uh, I'm, I'm managing an estate for a friend who died last year, and I, I sent her death certificate to the IRS as required. And I actually put a letter in there, and that throws them off because it's not a form that I checked something on. 
And I said, you know, her income fell below the reporting level. Do I have to file a final return? So there's been silence. I, I wrote the letter in May, and it went to the office in Fresno, so it's not like the Postal Service, uh, you know, <laughs> grabbed it and held it. Anyway, the letter is pleading for another 60 days to answer the single question <laughs> right. that I posed to them. Right. Uh, and also, they mailed back the death certificate with no comment, not even a form of, uh, we've made a copy of this. Right. You can right. keep the original. So, uh, you know, one of the things that is contested by, uh, I believe, both Cinema and Mansion in the BBB is hiring more IRS agents to squeeze money out of the rich who don't pay the taxes they're required to pay. Right. And uh, Mansion and Cinema think that this is an unfair attack on people who've been successful in cheating on their taxes. Right. Right. <laughs> so much and, of corporate profits stem from tax dodges. I had a. I had. Uh, after my divorce, I had one year, I think it was two, either 2018 or 2019, that was a nightmare with the government. I just, and uh, I'm just, anyway, uh, but I, the, the IRS is understaffed. That is very apparent. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so they don't get back to you. My the Republicans claim that it's because the IRS unfairly investigated the tax status of phony nonprofits. Right. And in fact, they did that in a nonpartisan way. But the Republicans had so many more fake nonprofits than the Democrats that the Republicans cried foul. Right. <laughs> and since then, uh, that was back in the Boehner era, uh, they have been starving the enforcement division of the IRS. And there's nobody there who can even answer a simple question about, you know, do I need to file a return? And it perpetuates the myth that government can't do anything right. Well, government can't do anything right if you're starving it. Right. New York State, uh, I, I have some interest on what I owe New York State, and I made a call got through to somebody and I said I can't believe I'm talking to somebody a tax collector thanking them for being you know cooperative and helping me out here and government you know when New York State is funded uh, anyway um, by the way doing your own taxes you know about this it turns out if you just want to pay your taxes and not cheat your government, it's pretty easy. Intuit, is that what's called Intuit? The little TurboTax is TurboTax is the brand, yeah. So they made a deal with the IRS to, uh, you could download TurboTax for free through Intuit, and you could fill out your taxes for free, but the deal was nobody's supposed to know about this. <laughs> that the the 
the IRS, it, it's some statute that was passed like three or four years ago. It's the H&R Block Protection Act. <laughs> you can literally, so here's, here's what happened. You can literally say to Intuit, TurboTax, I'm going to do my own taxes. And Turbo, you download TurboTax for free and you do your taxes. And it's really easy using TurboTax. And you, so I, I did my taxes and because I'm old, I didn't trust TurboTax. So I went to an accountant or CPA and she said, yep, yeah, that's I said, really? Because yeah, you did it right. Uh, you can do your own taxes free. They just don't want you to know it. And the easiest thing would be for the IRS to send you a bill. That there are some countries where their internal revenue service, the government knows what you're getting. Exactly. They, they, so they get all those dummies. Is it, it's, it's either a memory or honesty, honesty test or a little bit of each. But the government knows everything except uh, income from a small business, uh, cash income, and a few other things. But they've got 1099s, they've got W-2s, they know if you got dividends from a company. Uh, and so your point is correct. The IRS could pre-fill the form and say, well, here's what we know about you from the last tax year. Uh, tell us what we don't know. But who's opposed to that? H and R block. And, and people who spend a fortune getting a CPA, which is a scam. Somebody was telling me about what it takes. To, you cannot be a certified public accountant without going to certified public accounting school. You just can't take the exam. There was a time when you could not go to law school, mm -hmm. and if you could pass the bar, you could practice law. I don't think, I think fewer and fewer states allow that now. Like Lincoln didn't go to law school, he just passed the bar. The, if you want to be a certified public accountant, they care more about you being like a hundred grand in debt to a college than they do about your passing your your CPA exam. It is one racket after another, and then I see people in your neck of the woods looting Louis Vuitton and Nordstrom, which is not a good idea because it's not it's not class struggle. It's not rebelling against, uh, but. There's something satisfying to sing that, but it's not the, the people who are looting these department stores. They're not on our side. They're not helping. They're making it worse. Absolutely, David. And we had this wave over the weekend. It started Friday night at Union Square in San Francisco. Then it moved to a mall in uh, Walnut Creek, where the Nordstrom store was the key focus. We're told that 80 people swarmed into the store just before closing time with hammers. 
and they smashed and grabbed from the jewelry cabinets. They took armloads of clothing. And then they went to um, a mall in San Leandro or Hayward. Bad idea. A lot of guns in San Leandro. Well, the other thing is, is, you know, during the limited looting that occurred in 2020, uh, you know, we saw people looting dollar stores. And that's just a bad calculation, all right, because you're risking real jail or prison time and a mark on your record and all of that for items that cost a dollar. Um, but this wave over the weekend here is clearly orchestrated, and uh, this fits into a pattern that we're seeing is that uh, they're going to blame the progressive district attorney in San Francisco. Boudin. Uh, Chesa Boudin. Uh, Any relation to the ba the baking? No. Bakery? Okay. No, the relation is to the weather underground. His mother and father were both uh, spent a long time in prison, and his father was just, uh, his sentence was commuted by Andrew Cuomo uh, in the final minutes before he uh, left in his sexual harassment cloud. Uh, and uh, I can't think of his last name, but David, who is Chess's father, uh, was released by the New York State Parole Board in the past two weeks. Uh, so there's a concerted effort to paint Chesa Boudin as soft on crime, uh, he's doing exactly what he said he would do when he ran for the office. He came out of the public defender's office. And the uh, occasionally progressive electorate in San Francisco uh, chose him over someone who was approved by the, uh, the, the tech machine. So there's a recall underway that will be on the June primary ballot. They got 83,000 people to sign. Uh, a recall petition. Hmm. They are alleging that he, you know, he's not incompetent. He didn't uh, uh, have sex with anybody uh, he wasn't supposed to. Uh, there is nothing except uh, a vendetta that is driven in part by the union, the Police Officers Association, and by conservatives in San Francisco, including a couple of tech millionaires, who have funded the recall effort. And so with this wave, and I deplore it like anybody else does, all right? Uh, and, you know, there has been a lot of petty crime in San Francisco, but overall, since Boudin took over, um, the crime rate is either flat or slightly declining. Nevertheless, uh, you can cherry pick a few statistics because Asian hate crimes are up, for example. Uh, there were three of them, and that's an increase of 4 billion percent uh, if you oppose Chesa Boudin. So uh, this little wave of, of uh, um, you know, retail mobs comes at a very bad time because I have been watching the criminal justice system since I was a young man, and I've seen the pendulum swing several times. And we have just completed a swing to lesser sentences, uh, rational uh, crime statutes, and 
the conservatives want to blame uh, voter-approved ballot measure Prop 47 from a couple of years ago that uh, increased the threshold for a felony uh, burglary or theft crime. And this was an effort to keep people out of the, the prison system who would go in for a small crime and come out with a Ph.D. in big crime. But it is being spun as an invitation for people to loot because they say, well, uh, you know, I'm not even going to go to prison for uh, these, these thefts. But the real culprit is the police department. And in both San Francisco and Oakland, uh, there is this, particularly in Oakland, they want to hire more cops. And they're using an increase in the murder rate in Oakland this year to say we need more cops. But the cops aren't out there in a position to actually prevent murders, right? So mm -hmm. you could, you know, multiply the Oakland PD by, by tenfold, and, you know, you're still not going to be able to stop uh, personal uh, uh, crimes that lead to fatalities, usually uh, gun crimes. Still... Uh, the pendulum is swinging back to a more conservative uh, point of view. Uh, we can see that the three strikes law and the war on drugs were total failures, but uh, they're going to get people worked up about fentanyl, and fentanyl's a serious issue. San Francisco's had more people die from fentanyl in the last two years than from COVID. Uh, and Still, we know that locking people up for drug crimes doesn't really change the big picture. Yeah, the rap is a book out by a faux progressive, San Francisco or something. Where you know this new book that came out where yeah. they blame liberals for what's happening in San Francisco because they're encouraging the swapping of needles. They're the, the city hall is giving advice on how to shoot up so you don't overdose. They're dealing with drug addiction as a uh, public health issue. Right. And and this is well, the current the current mayor, who's not very progressive to her credit, has been pressing the federal government to agree not to prosecute. Uh, San Francisco if they set up a safe injection site. And this is seen as a reasonable way to <clears throat> deal with, <clears throat> pardon me, IV drug addicts uh, without just leaving them on the sidewalk. And so... What's the alternative? Arresting them? But what, what, what would the conservative... Because I know the conservatives, real conservatives want to legalize drugs. Bill Buckley wanted to legalize drugs. So what, what, what is the answer? To locking well, them up? Bill Buckley is from a bygone era, and, you know, it's the real major Trump, uh, you know, lock them up and bash their heads as you put them into the police car. Uh, so there's no rational alternative they just appeal to people's fears and pretend that more cops and longer sentences and locking more people up actually would make a difference. 
crime, there's been a secular decline in crime and violent crime since, I would say, the, uh, the 90s. There's been a little increase in homicide, as I understand, due to COVID. Not the homicide committed by the Sackler family or the hospitals that uh, send patients away. But uh, could a case be made that the crime bill, the horrible crime bill, I think it was 94 that Biden wanted, there's no argument that getting tough on crime in America actually brought the crime rate down, locking everybody up. I mean, they, they well, say, we, I mean, let me just give the argument that you would hear from the fascists. Yes, two and a half million people behind bars, but look at the crime rate. Well, crime is a function of um, societal factors, and it mostly is acted out by younger people. And it's very clear that criminals age out of crime. Uh, and part of that is if you get punished and you lose 10 or 15 years in prison, uh, it makes an impression and you say, well, you know, I, I don't really want to do that again. Uh, but the, you know, the impact of longer sentences and minimum mandatory sentences that tie the hands of judges uh, is not pretty. Um, but TV crime shows is where most people get their information about crime. And even as crime dipped, <clears throat> the crime content of primetime TV and, of course, the stuff that's coming from streaming services uh, has fueled uh, irrational responses and irrational levels of fear. Right. Cops. You never, you know, that, they, they did finally pull cops, I believe. But mm -hmm. you never saw a bad cop on cops, did you? Well, the, the low point for me, and I don't uh, generally watch that kind of stuff, but was the show To Catch a Predator, where they would set these people up, uh, men in, you know, in cells, who were trying to get a date with an underage girl on the Internet, and they show up at the house where cameras are rolling, and they are humiliated by Chris. What was his name? Hanson, who's broke now. Yes. Yeah, is he? He's broke, yeah. You can get him on Cameo for like 10 bucks to record something. Wow. Well, anyway, they would bust these people, and they always insisted, even though none of these people uh, were armed or resisting, uh, but they would, you know, keep the cameras rolling as they forced them to exit the house. And then the cops would swarm and uh, take them down with, uh, you know, excessive violence. And this was, of course, I have this long-running theory, and some of it came out of my work uh, uh, as a union uh, officer. Uh, but we saw that after Friends and Seinfeld and a couple of these other hit comedies got too expensive for the mm -hmm. Netflix, they said, well, 
how can we get ratings without paying people a million dollars an episode? Mm -hmm. So we have these uh, competition shows like the ones that Ellen hosts. We have all of the reality shows of, you know, voting people off an island and all that stuff. And I believe that was based on sophisticated market research that asked the question, there's a two-part question, what can we put on television that will make your skin crawl, but in an irresistible way where you must right. watch it? Right. And how can we make you feel superior because you're sitting on your couch with the remote control? Right. And reality TV addresses those two uh, kind of subconscious human uh, uh, factors. Wow. <laughs> How do we get the American people to look down upon other American people and not know that the real powerful people are looking down on all of us? It's a form of social control. That's brilliant. Uh, David, uh, according to the chat, Chris Hansen is watching. Uh, he just posted a little note here. Um, Anyway, um, I enjoy bantering with you. I would like to make a couple of points yes, uh, about the Rittenhouse verdict. Um, I wasn't surprised because in my limited viewing, I, I didn't ever sit down and watch a whole session on TV. But uh, number one, when the judge said uh, the people who got shot are not victims, you can call them looters or rioters, that set the tone that the prosecution never recovered from. And the prosecution was not up to the challenge. It's not easy to rebuff a self-defense claim. And because of the limited context that was used, and David, this, I've only been on a jury once, but it was a couple of years ago, and what really frustrated me was the limited context that it created for the jury. So you're not allowed to consider factors that are not entered onto the record by the prosecution or the defense. Right. And so, you know, the obvious questions that I see on Facebook of people saying, well, he never should have been there. And, you know, he brought a gun and that made him a target. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's clear that the self-defense argument was circular, but it ignored the point of initiation because the jury was not allowed to hear discussion of, you know, was Kyle Rittenhouse a Trumper? Was he actually a proud boy, or did he just accept a free drink from them? Uh, and, and so... And did he point a gun at the homeless gentleman? Mm -hmm. Do we know if he pointed a gun first at the... Well, the testimony that he gave and the videos that they used showed that he was provoked uh, by the first man that he shot, who did appear to be mentally ill and had just been released from some sort of a lockup. Right. Uh, and so <clears throat> then it was Anthony Huber who responded to the four shots fired at uh, the first guy, uh, and he's the one who smacked uh, Kyle twice with a skateboard. And Which you're supposed to do if you think somebody's an active shooter, right? Yeah. And then there's Grosskreutz, who was packing 
but he's from the ACLU, and it's hard to believe that ACLU approved of that. Uh, and when they put him on the stand, he was used by the defense to show that he had, in fact, raised his gun. He didn't point it explicitly at Kyle, but uh, it, it was sufficiently displayed in a way that Rittenhouse could claim that he felt threatened. But, again, the judge permitted this very narrow context, and the prosecutors were not able to overcome the obstacles that he put in place. The last thing I want to note is the uh, media malpractice, that we learned a lot of things from this trial. Like, well, Mom did drive her 17-year-old son from Illinois across the state line, and it was only 20 miles, to Kenosha. He didn't have the gun with him. He picked that up in Kenosha. And it's frequently uh, cited incorrectly that, you know, he illegally took a gun across state lines. He was underage, not permitted to have a gun, but then the judge dismissed that charge in a way that I think the jury should have been able to evaluate. So that's another case where the judge uh, put both thumbs on the so-called scales of justice. So, uh, you know, to me, the biggest risk here is that this will embolden many other young people to play vigilante. And the tone of the SCOTUS oral arguments about the New York uh, concealed carry law is really troubling because Roberts and the Republican majority all just flatly said the Second Amendment doesn't say you've got to get a permit to carry your musket, uh, you know, in your leather pouch <laughs> that you carry on your back. Uh, and, and so I really think we are moving in a frightening direction, uh, and this is what keeps me up at night, but a year from now, we could be in a situation coast to coast where gun nuts can carry uh, either on a concealed or an open basis. And uh, this is certainly going to be intimidating to people just going to the grocery store uh, or the doctor's office. Uh, and the risk of uh, another Rittenhouse case where they can assert self-defense in a way that I find uh, fallacious, that's fallacy, not fallatio, um, I, you know, I, I really think that we are trending, and I mentioned this earlier, that we are trending into a hardline, pro-gun, uh, law and order, shoot em first mentality. And as you mentioned, the mobs who hit the luxury stores here in the Bay Area over the weekend are facilitating that trend. Shoot so, to kill. If there's looting, when there was looting after Katrina, I believe the the sheriff was allowed to shoot to kill. I don't know if that's a legal ruling, but I think looters will be shot, right? Isn't that... Well, and, and you had the former president on. That's why we're running late here tonight. Yeah. But he's the one who uh, dug up the old quote, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Right. 
And so we're going to have vigilantes who feel more empowered. And, David, I don't want to make you run even further late, but I, I do want to touch on one other yes, case. That last week, two innocent men who had been convicted of the 1965 assassination of Malcolm X were uh, exonerated. Khalil Islam didn't live to see the day of his exoneration, but Muhammad Abdul Aziz did. And the man who never contested his guilt, Talmadge Hayer, uh, he started arguing that those two men were innocent in the first stages of his trial. And he was tried alongside these two other guys, and he said, no, there were four other people, and these two were not among them. And so we have another case that brings me back to my favorite whipping horse, which is the FB&I. Mm -hmm. So the memo that I have a copy of of Hoover saying we want to prevent the rise of a new black messiah was first focused on Malcolm X. He used the tactics that were later used to divide the black uh, organizations in Chicago, the Panthers and the Peacestone Nation, and to get them to fight each other, the same tactics were used to at least exacerbate divisions in the nation of Islam between uh, Minister uh, Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X, who was his young protege. And once they parted ways, uh, it's clear that the FBI was paying uh, members of the nation of Islam uh, I want to recommend an almost great documentary, which is called Who Killed Malcolm X? It's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I've watched four of the six episodes. And it's, it's great because, for example, they uh, established that there were nine paid FBI informants in the audience at the Audubon Ballroom where Malcolm X was killed. What they also establish, a violation of what is called the Brady precedent, where the FBI withheld from both the prosecution and defense in the uh, trials of these two innocent men uh, that would have shown that the FBI knew who the four men who actually joined this fellow Talmadge Hare in the conspiracy to assassinate Malcolm X. And so I want to praise for a moment Rachel Maddow because I'm often sharply critical of her work. Last week when these exonerations were announced, she did a long segment, her opening segment, and she actually was critical of the FBI, but only in the deep past, <laughs> okay? And we have a generation of people who were uh, sent to prison by Bob Mueller and his team at the FBI for being Muslim in America. There are over 500 of them who were framed by paid FBI informants using the same model of J. Edgar Hoover and the, you know, protecting the actual killers of Malcolm X. So this is continuity, not change. And uh, I hope that Rachel will do a little reading and catch up on what has happened in the past 20 years that mirror what happened in the 60s and 70s. 
And this documentary, the reason I can't uh, uh, full-throat praise for it is that they do suggest a deep role of the FBI in the assassination of Malcolm X, but then they pull up short, and they go into what about and what about and what about. And uh, maybe the lawyers forced them to do that. Uh, Maybe it was the judgment of the producers. But it is still a worthy piece of documentary uh, that will help people understand the context of Harlem in 1965 and what led to the death of Malcolm X. And finally, I just want to acknowledge that we're recording here on Monday, November 22nd. I've not heard of any QAnon supporters in Dealey Plaza, um, but this is the 58th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And to this day, the cover-up is working. It has led to people knowing that there was a cover-up, that the lone shooter, blame Oswald, Warren Commission report was bullshit. But the irony is that today Rolling Stone is defending the official narrative. And Oliver Stone, not Rolling Stone, has a new documentary that just went live on Showtime today. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, And his last foray into the JFK film in the 1990s unfortunately confused a lot of people, including me. Uh, And I hope that the new Oliver Stone film will help uh, clear away some of the uh, bullshit that has been generated to obscure what really happened uh, in 1963. There are Uh, people, there are, by the way, I have an interview with Mort Saul over my website, and... Uh, he told me mafia that the mafia did it and for anybody to think there wasn't a conspiracy to kill JFK right it's you know I guess Posner wrote the definitive book about how it's impossible that you know Oswald acted alone and then Peter Jennings did this report you can see it on YouTube that picks up on Posner and it poo-poos the whole uh, there was a conspiracy I interviewed Posner he was not uh, persuasive at all he's a pompous uh, self-important fellow Um, and your point is really important there was a conspiracy this Rolling Stone piece published today flatly says there wasn't. Because and we can argue, you know, you follow the the thread of the mafia. I am more inclined to believe it was the CIA uh, using mafia figures right. as cutouts. Right, of course. But I think it was Alan Dulles who was the mastermind. Uh, so, that said, what we do know is we were lied to they continue to prop up the lies. Biden did not release the documents yeah. that uh, the 1992 law required. And so this is why people don't trust the government. And this is why wild conspiracy theories yes. uh, develop. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, and it leaves us all... Uh, you know, playing video games and watching, what is that 
<laughs> that South Korean show that everybody's watching. Oh, squid, right yeah. squid Games? Squid Games, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, anybody who doubts that there was a conspiracy to kill JFK is, uh, hasn't read enough. Yeah. David, I've made you even later again. Thank so you. I'm you sure. Let me just let, let me just tell you one thing that you may not know. Speaking of conspiracies, Netflix, who killed Malcolm X, uh, Netflix also gave us a Filthy Rich, which is a documentary about Jeffrey Epstein. That was based on a book by the crime novelist James Patterson who wrote about Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein and James Patterson were neighbors, so he took an interest in Jeffrey Epstein down in Florida. What's left out of Filthy Rich is... A whole lot. Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah. They intimate that he may have been on the Lolita Express. James Patterson is Bill Clinton's writing partner. They write crime novels together. Yeah. And you know, that, I watched all four episodes. It was very disappointing. It was disgraceful uh, is what it was. Yes. Uh, it, 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 on it was, it was it prurient. Correct. Um, and it re-victimized many of the victims without any prospect of, of actual justice and accountability. Uh, but I, I want to credit Nick Can Bryant. I just tell you one thing? The name of the book, I just looked it up, the name of the book that Clinton wrote with James Patterson, James Patterson being the producer of this Netflix series on Jeffrey Epstein, the name of the book that they wrote together is The President is Missing. Well, he was also missing from that documentary you did on Jeffrey Epstein. And I'm going to be focusing on the Jelaine or whatever, the Maxwell, uh, Julian Maxwell yep, trial that's how it's it. yeah. mm -hmm. uh, for Thanksgiving. We're going to do it, go over that because what happened to Jeffrey Epstein's safe? Yeah. Well, Nick Bryant uh, had a copy of uh, Epstein's black book. It was actually kept by the pilot of the Lolita Express. And he disclosed it in 2012. Uh, I did a podcast with him at that time. And he was really courageous to face up to the power that Epstein wielded, uh, which clearly worked to keep him uh, in a kind of house arrest when he was convicted. And he was never held to account for his most serious crimes. Have you seen this picture? Yeah. Yeah. That's the Pope. The only one that's more disgusting is when Newt Gingrich and his former mistress reported for duty as ambassador right. to the Vatican. <laughs> I'm posting a picture of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell with Pope John Paul. They're kneeling, and I believe they may have taken communion, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, yes, there are conspiracies out there, but not QAnon. Uh, but it is easy to understand why they believe everybody at the top is a pedophile. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't come from nowhere. Thank you, Peter B. Collins. Peter B. Collins is 
a recent inductee into the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame, go to PeterBCollins.com and listen to his treasure trove of interviews that date back to, I don't know when, but Radio well, put, put Nick Bryant in the search engine, and you'll be able to catch the podcast I did with him. You're a brilliant man. You really are. You're a thorough, thorough, and uh, I'm very grateful that you do this show. You, you, it's a, you're brilliant. Thank you. Very good. That's a little rich, but I'll take it. Thank no, you, you so are. I, happy Thanksgiving. I won't be joining you on Thanksgiving. Okay. We'll see about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Thank David. you. Thank you. Let us now go to Denton. I'm going to just, we're running behind. We are running behind. I hope he's here. There you are, Professor Mike Steinell over at Mike's Place in Denton. There, oh, did you, we see the top of your head? How are you? I laid down on the floor and took a nap. I don't blame you. So did I. <laughs> this is a long story. We had a <laughs> the stars lined up today, and we just had a, an embarrassment, and you're part of it of riches. I'm an embarrassment. I agree. No, you're and not. Before Peter gets off, for, is my he's he's my sound guy. Is it, how's the sound? It, it sounds great. Okay, I, I hate it when yeah. I'm too, when I'm louder than you, or you're louder than me. I just don't like that imbalance. Yeah, you sound yeah. great, and the YouTube feed is working. Good night. Oh, good night. Okay. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, the, the, the issue is YouTube, not the audio podcast. I, I, I'm going to figure out how to pull the feed out of Zoom, remix it, and then send it back out. If the YouTube well, channel was like, there, no, there was no video. Oh, last Monday, right. Yeah, and I, I, I had shaved and everything. By the way, I'm wearing my suit. I don't know if you can see, because you had a big show today. Judd Apatow. Yes. And Donald J. Trump. And Greg Fitzsimmons. And Greg Fitzsimmons, great show. And last week you had um, Sam. Sam Cedar. Yes. You were, you, were, you were hot last week. I thought that your... your um, Meditation versus masturbation um, debate with uh, <laughs> Gil Emil was fantastic. Oh, thank you. No, it was great. You just kept you just kept at it. You know, I love that. That is some of the best radio since uh, Citizen Bacon. I have, have to contact Bacon. I have to contact Citizen Bacon. The problem. I'm is sure he's. He's going every Monday to that city council meeting that you would <laughs> ask him to go, go to. Remember that? That was how you ended up. You wanted him to be like local politics. Right, right. There, there's a side of me that I, with certain people. That's cruel. That's cruel. And I, was I cruel to Emil? No, because you two love each other so much. It was right. so, it, It's so engaging. You, For people that you really, like you and Jim... And you and Gamil. And, and John Ross. It's been a long time. And John Ross. Yeah. You know, there's there's enough comfort there that you guys can go at it. You right. Know, and that's, that's what, I think that's what guys do. Yeah, there's this teasing that goes back and forth. And then not letting yeah, it go. go. What, what yeah, I've learned. you got to stay. 
Yeah. <laughs> what I learned is uh, Kevin Rooney taught me that it's just stay on one thing and just not let it like a, like be a dog with a bone and just go for the marrow. Once you get the meat and the tendons off the bone, just, just keep digging in there for the marrow. That's where you find the real uh, comedy, I guess. Yeah. How are you? So how are things in Denton? They're fine. I have a big bone to pick. Big bone to pick. Okay. Pick for love. I. The sound quality. Oh, now you're gonna you're gonna complain to me about the pig for love? No, no. You you don't like the, the way it sounded on the podcast. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me just tell you this. It's sort of like we have a relationship. You know, like. A marriage relationship, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. Everything's everybody's happy, right. and then at some point, you get pissed off. One, no, one of the persons starts going like, "What am I doing?" What then? do you think? No, what do you what do you think about bustiers and nylons? Right. You know, one person drags the other person down, and the finally, after you know the the thing about, can we get a bustier? You know, and uh, right. and some nylons. Finally, that person relents. And they and they do it. They go to the level of the partner, and then the next day, that partner sends the pictures around to all, puts it on Facebook, you know, right. and and so, and the, and that person in the bustier is looking like a, a roadshow of Rocky Horror, you know. So, so you so feel like I put you in a bustier. So far, I'm enjoying this. So far, this is good. First of all, I normally I do these songs and then they're just gone. You know, like there's so many songs that I've done, and I, I sent you uh, something from the archive. But yeah, I have it too. So many songs that are just one-offs. You know, right. so like I, around five o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to do this damn pig for love. And meanwhile, my 99-year-old mother-in-law is downstairs watching Andy Griffith. <laughs> And NCIS, nice, nice, yeah, yeah. Nice Jeopardy. And I'm up here singing, he's a pig for love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you you drug me to the level. And then on top of that, and then you played it like, how many times did you play I it? I love it. I absolutely love it. Haven't you, have you got complaints? I got some complaints. About the sound quality. No, about the, the content. No. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to play you one. I got this on my voicemail. Got this on my voicemail. I hope you can hear it. Hey, this is Mike. Thanks for calling. Can you hear it? Right yeah. Now. I'm probably out doing something stupid like writing a song for the fellas and shell. <laughs> anyway, leave your message and when you hear the beat, and I'll get right back to you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get that's my brother's wife, and so she she takes she didn't like it. She didn't she like to take it personally. She thought and I have to see her for Thanksgiving, and I know she, she's more than a pig for love. Just, I got emails. Check this out. Yeah, I, I put this up on my. Check a look at this. 
I got an email. Can you see it? Yeah. Pin my screen so everybody can see it big. All right. How do you do that? Uh, pin. Yeah. Okay. What does it say? Well, first, if it's the, 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 the email account it came from is Porcine Pig, and his, his um, email is bunchofpigs at gmail.com. <laughs> That's a legitimate... Then you see, then you see the, the message. Yes, Sid gives zigga, 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 zigga. They could, don't have fingers, David. The pigs don't have fingers. This is the best they could do. Three, four, five, six, seven... Oh, they were on the they were on the uh, the number rule that time, but they did get it together at the very end. You see what they wrote? You suck. Yeah, but maybe they were suckling pigs. Maybe that's a compliment. Maybe you <laughs> like solidarity. Uh, yeah, a bunch of pigs. Do you know how easy it is to get a Gmail account? <laughs> well, hang on for one second. Are these complaints? You know, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, please. <laughs> now you're going to talk. Now you're going to complain about the sound quality. I did that kind of rush. No, no, no. I thought I ruined. No, I, in all seriousness, I thought that I ran some kind of filter on it by accident. And I thought there's, I there's some strange, sometimes ambient. I think you put echo or compression. Maybe, maybe there's yeah, or maybe I some of them, like a. Um, Travel and light always record some of some of it's what I do. You know, I gotta get the I do it over here on this other computer, right? And I have to get the compression. You know, when I have time to really mix it. You know what I do? I mix it with I turn the volume down really low, and I mix it on the computer speakers without these, right? So, but I thought you know. I, 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 by the way, let me hang on. I'm going to interrupt you. Sure. I cannot. Stop playing Pig for Love. And it, well, got, it got in my head, and it's it just, it, it, it's brilliant. Did it sound familiar? It's no. the same chord progression as uh, Harvey J.K., the theme for Harvey J.K., which you haven't played in a while either. No, I haven't. I am going up with that. I wrote all these things. I know. Playing. Here, here's the Meanwhile, thing. you put me in a bustier. That, but that's for your own good. I got the nylons with the stripe down. The Those back. were for me to wear. You know, <laughs> uh, my Louis. I'm, I'm really worried about my Louis Vuitton uh, order. I spent a fortune on that. Yeah. Did you get me the cod piece like I asked? I try, they, they were all out. <laughs> you know what do you? What do you get for a man who has everything? A god piece <laughs> from Louis Vuitton. <laughs> the thing is, in my well, was, your honor, I was, I was 45 before I even knew what a cod piece was. But it just that's so funny, a cod piece. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> look yeah. it up, kids. <laughs> uh, just in my defense, I do this entire thing on one computer. The whole thing is on one computer. And I have a laptop that I sometimes bring into the equation, but mostly my ego, I'd rather sacrifice the quality of the show than compromise and need another computer. Like, I want to be able to... I hear that. I just want to, I, I just want to be able to run this whole thing through one computer and understand the computer. Well, the byproduct of that insanity is an inbox where I just can't, I, just, I really just have to dump my 
email and start anew because I, I just can't return emails that I get from the show. And I feel terrible. Uh, and then the other thing is all the files to the show go into a hard drive that's offline. And I haven't figured out an efficient way to, you know, get things from the past into the show. Everything it's just everything is new. I'm just so, I'm just jacking with you. No, you're right. I mean, it, you're right. And what I need to do is be more successful, and then be able That'd to be good. Yeah, and then be able to you know hire people who I could uh, abuse and make feel less than on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, that's I'm my not. fantasy, is to be successful so that people are terrified of me and I hold, you know, their life in their hands. Well, you know, the thing with Pig for Love is you promised some lyrics and, they, and you didn't come through. So I thought... I actually almost last week thought, let's just workshop the song, mm -hmm. you know. So it's, it's got perfect. new verses. Well, you know, see, like, here's, the, here's what's got, what I've had so far. I'm a porcine gourmand in the art of romance. I'm a maestro in the boudoir when I take off my pants. You know, when I had to sing that while my mother-in-law is right downstairs in earshot. Did you put your pants back on after I never took them off. Oh, oh, okay. oh! I have a live version of this. You want to hear it? Sure. Can you hear the piano? Of the art of romance. I'm a maestro in the boudoir when I take off my pants. All of that is. Whoops, I got ahead of the chorus. Now, all of that is true. All of the above, I would lie to you. Cause I'm a pig for love. My appetite's rapacious, but my capacity is dim. I may seem audacious, some call me Gentleman Jim. When all is said and done, and push comes to shove, I'm second to none. I'm a pig for love. Okay, now here's where the song breaks down. The third verse. The third verse is a little lame. Some ladies claim that my lips are delicious. Others won't come close because I seem suspicious. You got a better idea? This is like we're, we're working. Well, what don't you like about that? I don't know. It's kind of. It, it's kind of. My lips are delicious. It's. It's kind of. Well, you know, I, women won't come near me because I smell like knishes. Little Jewish. Yeah. Well, you know, the the thing about the song is that 
it's about the guy's, he's a pig for love. It doesn't necessarily, it isn't that he's saying he's so handsome or anything or is, he's, he's uh, desirable. Mm -hmm. He's insatiable. Right. You know? I had one called, uh, I had a thing. Well, hang on, what rhymes with delicious? Malicious? Well, see, that's the thing. I, I, I came up with suspicious. But I think the, the, I think the, the line, some ladies claim that my lips are delicious, is not funny. And, and kind of, bo you know, it should be self-deprecating. Some ladies say... Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to think Aloysius. <clears throat> I have some, like, my desires are voracious. My body is bodacious. I like that. Seems like I'm always hungry. What rhymes with hungry? <clears throat> Orange. I don't know. Orange rhymes. <laughs> you know, here's a weird one. I said, I'm hungry like the wolf, and then I went to the rhyme zone thing that I use. Right. Nothing, nothing rhymes with wolf. Can you believe that? Yes, it does. Give me a rhyme for wolf. Wolf. <laughs> Uh, you're right. There wasn't anything, and these are, this rhyme zone is pretty good. That's I use that a lot. I just put, I just kind of put words in there and do like. Um, you feel cheating? Hell no. no. I mean, did Cole Porter? Did Cole Porter have rhyme zone? Nobody had a rhyming dictionary. I'm sure. You know, Bob Dylan had. He he wrote like for years, and somebody said, "You know, there's a rhyming dictionary you can buy." <laughs> he goes, "What?" Because he's he's a he's a rhyming Simon man. That guy's that's all about the rhyme. I like I like the rhymes. You know, it's it's an easy up. Yeah. Anyway, we don't have to workshop this. I have a question. Yes, sir. So I'm I'm working on my novel. Which now? Which one? This one's called. I'm gonna call it the either the squatter. Or the uh, executor, and it's about a. Uh, I gave up the one about the guy eating corn in the barn. I just I couldn't. It, it didn't go anywhere. And I may give this one up too. But I'm thinking this guy is a clinical psychologist who, in 2020, he doesn't have any practice because nobody wants to come in. So he's he's up against it. His parents have died. He's taking care of his parents. His his funds are low, and he starts to sell off. He's, well, first of all, after his parents died, and this kind of happened in our family, you start going like with the siblings, you go like, hey, where's that clock? Mm -hmm. Who took the clock? Who took the, he finds out that the, maybe the nurse has been taking things from the house, the jewelry. Right, right. Right. So he, he figures out that um, eventually in 2020, there's a lot of people, First of all, a lot of people died in 2020 and didn't have funerals. And if they didn't have heirs that live close, there's a house that's then empty. So he starts going around the country, like going in, and uh, he studied up. He's brilliant. He's got like a photographic memory. So he knows what to look for. And he, 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 he develops these rules. Like one rule is uh, always check the refrigerator. When you get it. First of all, big rule is... Look for the key outside. You know, everybody's got a hidden key outside. Right. In a flower pot or under a doormat. Right. It's easy to break into a house. Um, I'd say 50% of the people in the world have a hidden key somewhere outside their house so they don't get locked out. So he's got all these rules. Look for the key outside before you try to pick the lock. And he says, 
always look at the refrigerator. If there's food in the refrigerator, if it's condiments, fine. But if there's a pizza box, look out. Somebody's in the house. He says, check the, therm- check the thermostat. And I got this from this house up in Kansas that we have, you know. When you're not there, you set it at 55. Warm enough to keep the pipes from freezing, but not too. So anyway, all, he's got all these little rules. He's very smart. But he starts to, the last rule is, number 10, is uh, don't be greedy. Only take what won't be noticed. So he's, but now the big problem I've, I've come to is the, I've hooked him up with a dealer in St. Louis. He lives in Kansas City, so he's got some stuff he's got to load, to, uh, rare books he's taken to a dealer in St. Louis, and he's somehow, I'm thinking that collectibles, ephemera, uh, art, a lot of that's cash business, and we really should bring bacon on. That's what he traffics in. Yeah, I need to talk to him. Yeah. And a lot of it's it's ripe for money laundering, don't you think? Well, you know my theory. Everything is what? money. Everything is money laundering. That that American business is an illusion. It's just one big money laundering operation. But do you think some of these exorbitant you know, a Frida Kahlo Kala Frida Kala just sold for thirty five million. And I'm thinking, like, somebody's got that much money, you know, and is it cash? You know, well, I think the Asian market, as I understand art to be, that, that what's driving up the, the price of art are all the, the, the new billionaires coming out of Asia. Out of China and yeah. North Korea? Or South Korea? I think so. I think that's what's driving And Hong Kong and Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think so. Yeah. And they've got so much. And then the dealers can. Well, anyway, so if anybody in the chat has. Um, I, I'm going to have him traveling around, sneaking into houses. And eventually he beca- becomes the executor of a, a guy who kills himself in Kansas City. And his house is full of art. And no errors. And then it's going to be like, why did this guy kill himself, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't kill himself. So that's the dead body. Got to be a dead body in there somewhere. But anyway, I'm kind of bogged down on uh, how how collecting really works. You know, I don't want to be inaccurate. Right. But, um, do, you, now, do you collect things? Bob Dylan stuff. That's all I collect. And I kind of got over that. I, I mean, I, within six months, I bought every album that he made. Right. And uh, it became, for the next four or five years, like my daughter's go-to. Like, I have a beautiful print and another one over here of um, Bob Dylan art. A lot of guys you know, use him as a subject for their art. Right. And uh, I've got... So in order to collect something, the psychology of collecting is a sense of permanence. Like, I'm going to be here, my stuff is going to be here for a while, so I'm I'm planting my flag here in this space, and I'm going to populate it with things that I've collected, right? That's what you're thinking. No, I think think it becomes a a matter of of completion. I want to own all the all the spoons from every state in the union. I want to, you know, my mother collected bells everywhere she went. 
And so it becomes like all of you know, they, they don't even enjoy it. You're like, I haven't even, I haven't, to be real honest, I haven't listened to the last four or five Bob Dylan albums more than one time. Right. You know, cause it's all on YouTube. You could, right. You, human, yeah, humans I, are, I wanna, humans are so it. interesting. Humans are interesting. The idea that we collect things that have value only because we've decided they have value. They have no function other than I want it. And then the price. I have no collections of anything. Nothing. That's that's probably healthy. That's probably healthy. I look I look kind books. of great. I used to collect books until I discovered the e-reader and I used to like to travel you know I used to like to have a living room filled with books and I thought all right I'm a I guess I collect books and then I thought well that's not really we have a lot of books we have a lot of paper in this house it's hard to throw a book at isn't it I, I went through and I threw all the uh, junky paperbacks and I kept everything that was... That's another thing that this, this guy, my character, is going to be a voracious reader right. who's trying to be a novelist. Who's trying to be a novelist. But he's got to... Here's an interesting thing. He's got such a photographic memory that any idea that he comes up with goes, oh, that's already been done. You ever thought about people that have those kinds... My memory is very bad. Musically, you know, I can't remember stuff I've written, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, that's why I kind of write the same stuff over and over again. Don't even know it. But um, someone who could really have like total recall, total melodic would be a curse. Recall. It would, it would, it would be a terrible book. course. Yeah. Yeah. Mary Lou Henner. Mary Lou Henner has that. She can remember. It. No, she has this other thing. She has, and there's a name for it. And I wrote about it in my book. She has the ability to recall details in her life. She can remember every day of her life. Yeah. You can say yeah. Monday, January 5th, 2003. Yes. And that's a definite thing. And we had, we had one of the, we, we had on the show, I wonder if Will Ryan brought him in. We had, uh, we had the, the person who was featured on 60 Minutes with Mary Lou Henner. I had him oh. on a guest, as a guest on the show. How long ago was that? I don't remember that. I, ironically, I can't remember the year, let alone the day, or his name. Yeah. But he was interesting. Uh -huh. Yeah, he was really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like what you think you want, and then it becomes maybe a Twilight Zone episode. It would be hard to be married to somebody like that, because they're always right. Yeah. You know, they say that there's a um, really good book by... Um, Sachs. Uh, who was the guy? That Oliver Sachs. Say it again. Oliver Sachs. Yes. His last book is all about uh, memory. And um, he talks about the flexibility of memory, how in his own life he remembers his house burning when he was a child. But he, there's no way, there's no way he could have remembered. He was too young. I had an Last night I was listening to Hard Day's Night. With a friend. Yeah. And I said... The movie? The movie or the song? Yeah, the, the, no, the uh, the album. And I don't... It was Love, Love Me Do. And I said, I can taste this song. It's so... It's so yeah. 
branded into my brain because I was a kid when it came out, and it was just everywhere. And it, you would just like the Beatles. If the Beatles came on, you would just stop, and it was otherworldly. The Beatles music. There, there's a period of Beatles music that is not of this world. I, I, I can taste the song. It's just the strangest feeling. Well, John and John and uh, Paul were brilliant, brilliant songwriters. George was a good musician. Ringo was a solid drummer. And it's one of the more interesting collaborations, I think. You almost can't... Uh, just how John and Paul worked it out to say Paul McCartney and Lennon, and yet there's there's John songs and there's Paul songs. You can tell them once you start to realize that. Oh yeah, that's a Paul McCartney song. Mm -hmm. You know, Michelle, that's a Paul McCartney song. Right. George um, Martin. I didn't know that. They're the two Beatles. Yeah. The, the Jerry and the Pacemakers songs. I didn't know he produced those. Yeah. He was something. Hey, are you going to watch the the new uh, documentary? When is that? Somebody? Where where is that? I think it's Disney Plus, and I don't have Disney Plus, but I'm going to get it just for that. And what is the name of the documentary? Get Back. Get Back. And it's the guy from that did the Hobbit movies, Jackson. Okay. He's the director, or he's the he he put it together. Is this about the the rooftop concert? It's what led up to that. Mm -hmm. All the stuff in the studio when they they produce that last album and you see them talking and there's the, the George leaves George says I'm leaving and he just leaves and you see Yoko's in there and, and uh, Linda Eastman's in there and and, uh, and the, the quality of the film is, is fantastic they really had you know they were they were multimillionaires and they could afford everything and they recorded there's you could see these songs 60 Minutes did a little bit up about it but you could definitely see, like, oh, here's, here's Get Back, the song. You know, Jojo, my mother, did it in Arizona. Um, and they're just working through the song. You say, I think he, sh he should uh, be selling, you know, grass. He should be, he should be doing marijuana, you know, and they're talking about it. Mm -hmm. They're workshopping the song the way we should have done Pig for Love, you know, to make it a really great oh, thing. Well, and then somewhere... Somewhere where they'd make it at some point a documentary. Jordan you know Martin happened? playing the harpsichord on Pig for Love. There you go. That would be that. His son is in the is in this son is kind of narrates some because he was there. He was a child hanging out and watching it. Wow, that's pretty remarkable. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Wow. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Hey, I I had I saw an interesting movie. As long as we're winding down here, the other and it was weird. So, you know, we had Judd Apatow on the show tonight, and Judd's done the show a couple incredible of times. Incredible get, David Feldman. Incredible well, get. Here's how it happened. It was it was very surreal. His wife is in a movie called The Comedian, starring Robert De Niro, and it was written by two of my friends, uh, and I never saw it, and. Suddenly, it just pops up on my selection. Uh, I guess Hulu. I don't know. It's so confusing. I I watch it because it's about comedy, and it's great. It's an accurate portrayal of stand-up comedy in 
New York City. De Niro, once again, plays a comedian who had some success, but he's way past his prime, and he's a Bulgarian. And what I, what I loved about <clears throat> the comedian is it wasn't pretentious. It was about just a working comic who's getting older, and his jokes are vulgar. It's lowbrow, and they don't portray comedians as truth-tellers. There's nothing pretentious about this movie. They're just there to make you laugh, and they're going to talk about stuff that's sometimes disgusting. You know, a lot of poo-poo caca, sex jokes, and it was just, and I loved it because it was just, it wasn't trying to say that stand-up is anything other than making people feel good. And Leslie Mann is in it, and she's great. I mean, she's really great. And I thought, no, I, I should, I'm going to email Judd as I'm watching it. I'm going to email Judd and tell him how great his wife is in it. And I finished the movie. I checked my phone, and it's Judd texting me. I went, this is so, so weird. It was so weird. You know, it's like, does that happen to you when you, you're thinking of somebody and then you get, you get uh, a text from them or a, f a phone call? Yeah, from time to time, I would suppose. Yeah, not often. That happens. I, about, text, I text Marilyn Monroe and nothing ever happens. Nothing? Nothing. Nothing, man. Jeez. Damn. Jeez Louise. That, uh... This is weird. Like, sometimes, I don't know. It, it was just... Anyway, you, you've had some tremendous guests. I mean, the, the regular guests are great, and I miss some. Uh, Pete Dominic. I know, the, I know, I know. And then I the know. people you have to meet, you know, make up with. And, and I think we've gotten over our Boussier nylon thing, yeah. so that's fine. Yeah. I'm good with that. You, Maybe you, we'll add a third show to the week. <laughs> You want to play my song? No, I'm going to just keep talking. There's a video that goes with this, you know. Oh, I love this song. I do too. It's one of my better I love all your stuff. It's my pre-Boustier nylon era. I love all your stuff. I really do. Oh, you're nice. You're nice. Yeah. I just want to say something before we sign off. My part is if anybody that I know is listening, just realize Jackie the Joke Man is coming up next. And you got to strap on. <clears throat> if you're not ready for Jackie the Joke Man, you might want to hit that stop, leave the meeting or whatever button. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie is harmless. They're just jokes. I love, I love his jokes because... As I said, they're like chord progressions that, you know, that you have to learn. All right, let me add. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. I, I mean, they don't bother me, but I know I have, you know, I have sensitive relatives. Yeah. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Well, we're sharing our grandson who's here in town, and we're not going to do turkey. We're going to do a nice pot roast. I love pot roast. With, I mean, turkey is kind of overrated. It's all about the stuff around it, you know, the dressing right. and everything. And uh, we'll have a big breakfast with him, and then he's going to go over to one of his other grandparents, 
and have a, a big turkey dinner. Are you competing with the other grandparents? We're trying not to. We're sharing. But, I mean, do you want to... I'm his favorite grandpa. How could you not be? <laughs> he calls me Bop Pop. He's so cute. He's how how old is he? He's just not two. He goes, Pop Pop, Pop Pop. Ah. <laughs> uh. Keep, keep, keep talking. Out. I'm looking for the video. Hang on. Yeah, we um, found. I found all the sketches of the, that we did on the show back in L.A. I, uh, hey, by the way, I, I saw some of your old stand-up. Oh. I love the bit where you did with the I hate hearing impaired people. Oh my God! Darn and then you put. Where'd you see that? It's on YouTube. Really? That's a good. That's a great. Your timing was great in that. Uh, you you actually looked like a real comedian in that one. I, I used to be a real comedian. <laughs> I, I just have to find... No, it, it was terrific. Why would, that, would that be unacceptable these days? I think... Well, here's the thing. Everything I said was unacceptable back then. But it, but it was, the, the joke was that I'm unlikable. You know who does a really great job? Anthony Jesselnik does what I tried to do as a stand-up, which was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so unlikable, you're going to like me. And just you would cover your mouth to say, I hate, I hate hearing impaired people. Then you would go, what would you say? Why bring that up? So, go, go watch Anthony. <laughs> Better you should watch Anthony Cheselnik. And uh, I love that. And then the other one I watched was uh, about Bernie Sanders. You know, no one's going to vote for a junior senator, <laughs> junior <laughs> senator right. in Vermont. Right. Right. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Uh, and then I said, uh, nobody's going to vote for Herman Cain. He's a. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. I'm tired. I don't want to. Here we go. I found it. Okay. This is one of my favorite. One, this is one of your. Uh, this might be my best song for this show, I think. No, all your stuff. Here we go. Like I said, here we go. <laughs> I'm traveling light. Got everything I need. Got a little bottle of moonlight and a little bag of weed. I saw Bellum Bible, cause I really like to read. I'm traveling light. I'm a creature of the room, got no regrets. Gave up my postal code and cigarettes. I'm doing much better with a touch of Tourette's. I'm traveling light. Just need a clean room in a motel six. Not too close to downtown, but not out in the sticks. I need my pen and teller, magic kit, so I can do my tricks. Got my favorite pillow, which I call Mr. Fluffy. Four kinds of allergy pills in case I get stuck. A pound of Dutch salt, because my ankles get puffy. I'm traveling light. I got two pairs of socks and shorts in my little sardine. A couple of passports and my sex dolls and weeds. I'm staying real quiet so they don't call the police. I'm traveling light. 
to it. I want to hear it again. I just, it's got a good beat. It's got a good beat. You can dance to it. It's Somebody wrote it's relaxing and funny. I, I thought in terms of the funny, I got it pretty good on this one. Um, are, you able, are you able to are you able to step back and really appreciate what a gift that is to us? And Can you enjoy that the way I do? Oh, well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It just seems like it just, just seems it's fun. It's fun for me. I think that that just to be real honest, the music I've done for your show is so different than what I would did my whole life, which was all serious and everything. And being able to lighten it up a little bit, you, there's a lot of flaws in the 
what I've learned from doing in the in the having to mix my own stuff is that if you put enough flawed stuff together and it's a sound that that it that it that it's it's okay you know and it it doesn't always work like last week I did I did a, 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 a pig for love and I just hated it and I, end, I ended up like at five o'clock erasing everything and redoing it it just was it just wasn't meshing together and um, but it's 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 kind of like you just throw enough paint up there and and eventually it becomes something more than its individual parts I think that's yeah. that's the big thing you know and a great band that's the way a great band if you just took like like just the feed from like one person in a band it wouldn't sound very good but then when you get them all together like the Grateful Dead when you get it all together it you know it it, it blends and it um, can you, you know, hear? Can you when you listen to Dylan, when you listen to music, can you hear mistakes? Dylan is 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 totally is totally rough and and raw and, and yeah, it's that's his style, you know, and that's why a lot of people like a lot of my musician friends who are especially classical, some not not all, and some of the jazz people who are more like trying to get some like something pure. Uh, Dylan is just like they can't ha- they can't handle it. He can't handle his voice. So are there the people who go to the symphony and they're they have perfect or relative pitch? They're so sophisticated they can hear mistakes. I guess they can, right? Oh yeah, you can hear mistakes. But most of the symphonies are so flawless anymore. Right. It's very seldom. You know. I mean, I go to student things and. You know, I was a teacher for so long that all I did was listen for the flaws. I told somebody, somebody, I hate, I hate the way I listen. You know, I can't, I can't just go and listen and enjoy. It's, and that's why when I got into Dylan after being involved in jazz, it was so different. I could just enjoy it. And that happened, you know, about ten years ago. Right. And then I started that band. But I, I what is that, your favorite, like an album that you keep listening to lately? Well, that's the thing. I don't listen to a lot of music. But is there something that you can... Uh, I'll tell you what I listen to. Okay. Sinatra at the Sands. It was recorded in 1966. It's with the Count Basie Orchestra. Yeah, of course. With Quincy Jones in the room doing the arrangements. I've heard it many times. It is... It, it's very swinging... It, it, the the the, the uh, I've got you under my skin. That version of I got you under my skin is I, I I just that arrangement. It's breathtaking. You know, Sinatra was so subtle in his approach. Like he's he's totally a jazz musician, but it's so. Con- his phrasing and his his um, exp- you know his when he was in his prime, which wasn't his early years. It's actually later, you know, like this. That that's when he was in his prime. That I agree with you. I I can't listen to him as a crooner from like I, I don't understand. No, he hadn't he hadn't he hadn't matured in in terms of his rhythmic feeling. But his rhythmic feeling is so subtle. The same way with Dylan. If you listen to Dylan, his rhythmic feeling of his voice is 
is spectacular. Um, from verse to verse, he'll change it up. There's nothing, you know, and it, it's all about expressing the words, you know, and and draw and and drawing attention. I, I'm going to listen to. I'm, I'm very interested. I heard. I tell you what I heard recently is um, Charles Lloyd. Charles Lloyd, the saxophonist. He's got a new album out. He's 84. It gave me great hope. Okay. I'm, I'm 70 on Saturday, David. You wow. I'll be. Uh, my address is uh, 4517 South Monte Carlo Way. Let me pretend to write that down. <laughs> I didn't give you the same address. I know. Hey, uh, if you're feeling happy birthday, is yeah, this, is this, this weekend? Saturday, yeah. Ah, good for you. Yeah. Well, give my anyway. best to Nadine, please. Yes, I will just. I will, as soon as there, I go there, down two, there. there are two songs. I just. Uh, I was listening to music last night. There is. Uh, if you're ever feeling down, find Sa uh, Sinatra at the. Sands. At the sands, okay. And listen to "I've Got You Under My Skin," and and if that don't do it, uh, and then there's a curiosity that I cannot stop playing, and it's Luciana Pavarotti and Annie Lennox doing oh. "There Must Be an Angel Playing with My Heart," and he did duets. He does one with Bono. Have you heard the one with James Brown? Yeah, I couldn't get through that. Have you heard the one with... You, did, you didn't like that? I'll listen to it oh, again. I, but have you heard the, the one he world? does with Bono? The Man's World? I'll go, I'm going to listen to the one with Bono. The, the one with Sarajevo is like... is just like breathtaking. I'll, I'll listen to the one with James Brown. The one with Annie Lennox. There must be an angel playing with my heart. God, I love her. I love her voice. Yeah, it, it's... It, I don't have a critical ear. I don't know anything. There's something. It's live, and I can't figure out. Like I do, there's something I would have done differently in producing that. I'm, well, but I keep playing it over and over again. Sometimes you just have to listen to a song over and over again to see why they did something that you might not. See, right? I'm not sure I know what that means, but Annie Lennox on Saturday Night Live, the first time I actually, which she left her husband, and you know they were in that band. What was the band called? I like the band. Eurythmics. Yeah, she's doing solo for the first time on Saturday Night Live, and she sings. I'll send you the link, man. It was electrifying. She's she's so emotional, and she's got such a great instrument. She's got a great voice. Yeah. You know, not everybody has a great voice. I don't have a great voice. I sing well, but I don't have a great voice. You know, great. My wife had a great instrument when she was when she was uh, in her prime. It was one of the greatest coloratura voices ever. And I've got I've got a recording of her with the um, Swedish Symphony, Swedish National Orchestra, where she sings. This won't mean much to anybody, but she sings the high A flat, high A flat. She ends the Glier Concerto on a high flat. It's some of the most beautiful coloratura. I'll send you the link, David. Okay. You'll, you'll you'll fall in love with my life, with my wife or your life. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Happy birthday! Anyway, I love you. I'm so grateful for you. 
thank you for thank uh, thank you for everything, and have a great welcome, Thanksgiving. And uh, I love pig for love, but I'm a pig for Mike Steinel. Thank you, I Mike. Redo, I might redo it so the sound is better. Okay, go to MikeSteinel.com. Mike Steinel is a jazz trumpeter, composer, and educator. He was a member of the University of North Texas Jazz Studies faculty from 1987 to 2019. He is the author of many books, uh, including the highly acclaimed Essential Elements for Jazz Ensemble, Volumes 1 and 2, Building a Jazz Vocabulary, Running the Changes? When does that come out? I don't know. January. In January. And Lake House is your latest mystery novel? That's on YouTube, Lake House Part 1. And go buy Song and Dance, the Mike Steinel Quintet, featuring Rosanna Eckert. It's on Origin Records, and you can buy it by going over to MikeSteinel.com. longer show tonight because <laughs> I'll see you later. Thank you. It's the Thanksgiving getaway. Somebody asked me, why are you going into eight hours? Because this is the week people are flying and sitting in their car and they have time to, to listen to this show. When we come back, we will be joined by Jackie, the joke man, Martling. It's time right now for the David Selmich Show. He's talking politics and comedy, too. To tell a dirty joke if you want him to. He's just a lefty from way back. He's a union man with an animal right. Someday he's mad and he feels like fight. Welcome back. You're listening to the David Feldman Show, davidfeldmanshow.com. To our podcast listeners, uh, we run a uh, billboard of all the guests who are on the show when we play that song. It was, it is, today's show is an embarrassment 
of riches. So I want to thank everybody uh, who participated in today's show. I mean, it's just incredible, from the professors to the journalists to the comedians, and it's, it's just amazing. All right, I think I have Jackie. I have to find him. Please friend me on Facebook. Follow me. I'm vamping right now. I'm looking for Jackie. Please friend me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. And office hours every Friday night starting at 8 p.m. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see what this looks like behind the scenes, go to my website and sign up to attend a live taping, and you can be in the Zoom room asking questions, and, uh, boy, they were, <laughs> the chat room really captured uh, my guests today. That was funny. And we also have a YouTube channel. I think we have about 6,000 subscribers, so please subscribe to this show on YouTube, and you can watch us live let us now go to Jackie the Joke Man Martling. From New York, from beautiful Bayville, on the still remaining glorious Gold Coast of Long Island's North Shore, let's welcome our old friend, Jackie the Joke Man Martling. You'll love Jackie's autobiography. You'll love Jackie's autobiography, The Joke Man Bow to Stern. The parts in English are the best. <laughs> Follow Jackie on Twitter at Jackie Martling. Repeatable jokes every day at 4.20 p.m. International Marijuana Time. Here's the perfect holiday gift. Your own personalized video. Go to cameo.com forward slash Jackie Martling. For last 24-7, call Jackie's Dirty Joke Line. Use your finger, 516. 922 wine. For more show information, go to jokeland.com. Hello, Jackie. Mommy, mommy, what's diarrhea? Shut up and eat your chili. The <laughs> <laughs> lady's coming out of church and she says, Father, do you eat brownies? He says, Sure, but I prefer Cub Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> two guys two guys are in a nut house and one guy has his cock on a table and he keeps hitting it with a hammer. The other guy says, Geez, that feel good? He says, Fuck no, but it sure feels great when I stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's fourteen hundred and ninety two, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He laid his cock on Plymouth Rock and he pissed all over the crew. <laughs> hey, why can't pilgrims keep their pants up? Why? Their belt buckles are on their hats. <laughs> And always remember, if the pilgrims had a shot of bobcat instead of a turkey, we'd all be eating pussy on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> so a guy says to the bartender, it's been 30 years. So this morning I told my wife, I want to renew our vows. I said, do not walk behind me, for I may not lead. Do not walk ahead of me, for I may not follow. 
And don't walk beside me either. Just leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> an old guy, an old guy is teaching his grandson how to jerk off. Great. He says, Grandpa, this doesn't feel so great. He says, Wait, wait, wait till it's your cock. That's a, That's a sweet story. Hey, what's the best thing about a girl with a colostomy bag? <laughs> what? Her asshole is always clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You made a good point there. You're right. Again, there is no fallacy there. So a couple shopping, couple's out shopping, the guy picks up a case of beer and puts it in the cart. His wife says, put that back. Then the wife picks up a jar of face cream. He says, what's that for? It makes me pretty. He says, well, so is the beer, and that's on sale. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a penguin. A penguin walks into the police station and he says to the desk sergeant, My brother's missing. The desk sergeant says, What's he look like? <laughs> I just love that. So a guy's about to get a tooth pulled. And the dentist says, uh, I gotta pull a tooth, so I'll I'll get a pull a tooth, I'll give you a shot to numb your jaw. The guy says, no, 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 I'm afraid of needles. Then it says, all right, uh, then I'll give you laughing gas. No, 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 I'm allergic to that gas. So Dennis leaves the room, comes back with a few pills and says, here, take these. They're Viagra. They won't help the pain, but they'll give you something to hang on to while I'm hanging out of your tooth. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Hey, what's the difference between your wedding and your funeral? <laughs> I give up. At your wedding, you get to smell your flowers. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> so, O'Reilly. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? O'Reilly moves into a bar and crushes, and he's got two black eyes. Bartender says, who wasn't in the beach? We just happened to you, O'Reilly. Oh, it was McKellen next door. He's the one what did this to me. Oh, what, did McKellen have some kind of weapon? Oh, but he did, yeah. He had a tire iron in his hand. Oh, and did you have anything in your hand? Yeah, McKellen's wife's left titty. It's a beauty for sure, but not much good in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why do Italian girls wear sleeveless dresses? <laughs> why? They love the feeling of the wind blowing through their hair. Oh, come on, Jackie. Jackie. What are we going to do? <laughs> uh, 
How can you tell if a Pakistani girl's going steady? Her boyfriend's initials are carved in her back. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't mean carved. I meant shaved. Oh, no. Now we're going to hell. Yeah, oh, we're going to go to hell. We're going to lose. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're not. It's, it's harmless. It's harmless. It's a waitress's his first day at a roadside cafe. Right. And she says to the cook, A truck I just ordered three flat tires, a pair of headlights, and a pair of running boards. Cook says, listen, three flat tires means three pancakes. A pair of headlights is two eggs sunny side up. And a pair of running boards is two slices of crisp bacon. The waitress spoons up a bowl of beans, puts it in front of the truck, and says, all right, Smiley, here you go. As long as you gotta wait for your breakfast, you might as well gas up. <laughs> How do you tell if a turtle is nearsighted? How? He's trying to fuck an army helmet. <laughs> hey, what's the difference between a praying mantis and your ex-wife? <laughs> what? Your ex-wife doesn't fuck you before she bites your head off. Still <laughs> 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 good. Yeah. So the priests, the priests get together and decide that the top Roman bishop really needs to experience sex. The bishop thinks about it. He says, "Okay, I'm going to do it, but only on the three conditions." But first of all, I know pictures. No pictures, no cameras, nowhere near. I don't want to know pictures. Second, you all, I swear. You got to swear to me. You're never, never going to tell nobody about this. But it never tell nobody I did it. And third, she got out of bigotry. Just like this. Very bigotry. Like this. These are you, the few fucking kids like a suck and fuck and roll them. Here's a college a college kid's sex manual. Ready? Yeah. One in, two out, three, repeat if necessary. <laughs> <laughs> so a guy a guy brings home a girl from the bar, he goes down on her, and it is foul. Oh man, it's nasty. Hmm. But he's a good sport, you know, so he stays down there. Thanks, and all of a sudden, she blasts a huge fart in his face. Lovely. But he keeps at it. He's mm -hmm. down there, and a few minutes later, whoa, she lets another huge fart in his face. She says, are you all right down there? He says, sure, as long as you keep pumping that fresh air. <laughs> 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 All right, that's the hey, best way. Why did you jerk off? Why did you jerk off? Why? It's free. <laughs> right, here's one for you. What's the difference between Grandpa and a blow-up dog? What? Grandpa moans when you fuck him in the ass. Oh, nice. Nice. I, I forgot about that one. That's true about my grandpa. Yes. Okay, here you go. A big game hunter. A big game hunter is just about back to camp when a lion that's on a boulder on the side of the trail leaps on him. But the lion jumps too far 
and lands 10 feet past the guy. And the hunter runs and makes it to safety inside the stockade. The next day, the hunter hears all this noise outside the stockade. He climbs up and looks over the stockade. And what does he see? It's the lion practicing shorter leaps. <laughs> that is the single worst uh-huh. joke there like ever it. is in the world. It's I like it. I like it. Helen Keller went to town riding on a pony, stuck a feather in her cap and called it. Oh my God! No, 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 no! A guy's a guy's his doc. My wife stuck a strawberry up my ass. The doctor says, I've got some cream for that. (laughs) 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 Mr. Schwartz, Schwartz says, Friedman, I've never seen you donate to charity. Friedman says, oh, I've spent a fortune on sick animals. Really? Of course, I didn't know they were sick when I bet on them. (laughs) Hey, how do you get a job climbing out of a huge pussy? How? You just have to fall into it. (laughs) A guy guy trips over an old bottle and the cheating comes out. I'll grant you one wish. The guy says, I want to live forever. I can't grant that wish. Ah, then I want to die if the Congress gets their heads out of their asses. The genie says, you crafty fuck. <laughs> so a guy says to the girl behind the drugstore counter, I need three condoms. She says, you want a bag? He says, nah, she ain't that ugly. <laughs> hey, what's the best way for a girl to give you a hand job? Ow. With her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> an old guy, an old guy walks in the bedroom, yeah. and his wife is naked yeah. in the corner, standing on her head. Mm-hmm. He says, what, what the hell are you doing? She says, well, I think he says she can't get it up. Maybe you could drop it in. <laughs> hey, how do you say overweight woman in Chinese? Ow. You fat cow. <laughs> I know you can't say that. You can't say that. I said it. You said it. The boss is Miss Connor. Who told you that just because I tried to kiss you at the office party that you could sit at your desk, drink coffee, gossip, and not do any work? She says, my lawyer. <laughs> So Schwartz walks into a coffee shop and says, How much for a coffee and a donut? The waitress says, The waitress says, Donuts are 75 cents, coffee is a buck, and refills are free. He says, I'll take a donut and a refill. (laughs) (laughs) A guy 
says the bartender, I think my wife's got Alzheimer's. He says, why do you think that? He says, she woke up this morning and had no idea why her asshole was sore. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, he didn't do it against the will. That's you got to calm the fuck down. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> The guy says to the bartender, you know, this morning I was standing on the subway across from a beautiful Thai girl. Oh, man, I kept thinking to myself, please don't get an erection. Please don't get an erection. But she did. <laughs> no. 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 Don't no. <laughs> even try to tell me that ain't fucking funny. It's funny. It's funny. So Angela says, I'm a worker so hard, Judge, to get it here. And now I'm here and I love America so much. But I know Speaking of good English, Judge, I'm I guess I'm a no gonna get my citizenship of papers. The judge says, Don't you worry, my friend, you are gonna get your papers. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst thing about eating redneck pussy? <laughs> what? Licking a dog's ass to get the taste out of your mouth. Oh, my God, that brings up such horrible memories. That just brings up... All right, would you, I would just do two more. No, it's great. It's great. A guy's in a hot air balloon, and he's lost. And he sees the guy down on the ground. He takes the balloon down, and he says, Yo, can you tell me where I am? The guy on the ground says, Yeah, you're in a hot air balloon about 30 feet up. The guy in the balloon says, you must be a show business manager. Well, I am. How'd you know? Well, what you just told me is true, but it don't help me. <laughs> the guy on the ground says, you must be an actor. The guy in the balloon says, well, I am. How'd you know? Well... You don't know where the fuck you are or where you're going. You expect me to help you. You're in the same position you were in when I met you, but now it's my fault. That's great. A Chinese guy is standing at the bar. A Chinese guy stands at the bar when a rabbi smacks him on the back of the head. Chinese guy says, What was that all about? That was for Pearl Harbor. Oh, that was Japanese. I Chinese. The rabbi says, Japanese, Chinese, it's all the same. After a few drinks, the Chinese guy goes and stops the rabbi in the back of the head. The rabbi says, what was that for? Ah, for Titanic. What? The Titanic hit an iceberg. It wasn't the Jews. The Chinese guy says, Iceberg, Goldberg, all the same. You're my friend. That's clever. Yeah. All right, one more, one more. Okay. Our pal Sporty. Sporty. Remember Sporty? Yeah. Sporty gets a job going door to door selling toothbrushes. In the first day, he sells 500 toothbrushes. And the boss says, Sporty, 500 toothbrushes? I just sell so many. You're on very easy with nothing to it. And when, when, when they ask me to do it, what I do is I, 
and give him a free sample. You give him a free sample. Well, you give him a free sample, then how do you sell any? No, no, no. The free sample I give him is a piece of candy. And then they start chewing it. And they say, Jesus Christ, this tastes like chocolate covered dog shit. <laughs> and I say, it is. You want to buy a toothbrush? <laughs> 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 oh, great. Oh, All right, I, great. Think I'm, I think I'm done with you. This was so great. Two old, two old guys, two old guys are on a park fence. The first guy says, how often do you get laid? The second guy says, almost every night. Yeah, almost every night? Yep. Almost on Monday, almost on Tuesday. <laughs> wow. I, you know, these are so, let me wrap it up. These are so great, and I'm going to not remember any of them. In fact, I love that. That's why I can make I a living. There was one, and I have to ask you about a, a barbecue and uh, a, a parachutist, but I'll ask you when we get off. Hey, go see Jackie. Go buy his autobiography, The Junk Man, Bow to Stern. I'm telling you, the parts in English, you're going to love. You're going to love the parts that are written in English. Follow Jackie on Twitter at Jackie Marbling. Repeatable jokes every day at 4.20 p.m. International Marijuana Time. The perfect holiday gift is a personalized video. Go to cameo.com forward slash Jackie Marlin. Get a gift for somebody you love or you want to get even with over Cameo. Last, 24-7, call Jackie's Dirty Joke Line. Use your finger, 516-922-WINE. For more show info, go to jokeland.com. Thank you, Jackie. And in case people don't know it, there's five of these phone calls that you and I have done are on jokeland.com. Great. And people go nuts, and they absolutely love the them. And, and uh, they did a documentary on me that will be coming around soon called Joke Man. Great. So I'll leave you with one more. A guy and a hooker go up to a hotel room. Now she's taking off her dress. Her wig falls off, and she's bald. Then she takes off her bra. Her falsies fall out, and she's flat as a board. Then she takes off her hip boots, and one of her legs goes with it. And after she washes off her makeup, she's got a complexion that's like the bottom of a parrot cage. She drops her false teeth in a glass of water, lies down the bed and says, Come on, handsome. He says, I'm sorry, I gotta go. I must have left my cock in my other pants. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Kevin. I love you. Stay up the camera line for one second. All right. Uh, I think we are frozen here. Let me fix something. Video. And, yeah, we are. Uh, did we do it? Yeah, we, we froze. Okay. For the people in the Zoom room and those of you watching us on YouTube, the playback machine got too hot and we froze so we're not going to be able to play back any more videos it's an 8 hour and 15 minute show it's a long one because people are traveling for the holidays I figured I'd keep you company on a plane flight 
for a long drive. Somebody, I went to the YouTube channel, and somebody in Amsterdam wrote, Holy F. I went to bed listening to this show eight hours ago. I woke up. It's still going. Well, thank you for watching us on YouTube. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to nonsense like this. Office hours every Friday night at 8 p.m. Go to my website to get an invitation. If you would like to sit in the virtual studio audience and distract our guests, Go to my website, and I'll send you an invitation, and you can sit in the Zoom room with all the other chinwaggers. I think that's the show. I think it's been, I think we did it. Uh, hang on. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's enough. It's 8.15. Uh, friend me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. And uh, I'm not answering emails. I have to figure out a system to, uh, I don't understand, uh, so hang on for one second. Let me thank our guests, if I can find them. This is, uh, yeah, I have to find the guests. Hang on. Um, I want to thank Dan Frankenberger in the newsroom. We don't do the show without Frank. And uh, let's see. Thank you to Greg Fitzsimmons, the brilliant Greg Fitzsimmons. Listen to his podcast, Judd Apatow. Thank you, Judd. He's at Largo in L.A. December 7th with Beck. It's a benefit. Go see him. Davey Mammel, my son, did a great job with Carol Conchabell from the Chile Solidarity Network. Boris Vanderspeck from Chile Today. I'm not going to do the Chile Today hot tamale joke. I, I, I know. I'm sure the chat room already did that. Aldo Mariaga from the School of Political Science at the Diego Portales University in Santiago. And uh, Dan in the community billboard. Thank you. And Howie Klein, read him over at Down with Tyranny. David Cobb, thank you. Dr. Harriet Fraud, listen to her podcast. It's not just in your head. Capitalism hits home. And, of course, former president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Thank you. Professor Mary Ann Cummings, physicist and parks commissioner for Aurora, Illinois. Peter B. Collins, Professor Mike Steinel and Jackie the Joke Man Martling. I don't have my playback machine, so I think I'm just going to say good night to. Uh, I think I'm going to say good night to everybody. We'll end with Pig for Love, my favorite, my new favorite from Professor Mike Steinel. Remember to stay strong and protect the weak. I'm a porcelain gourmand of the art of romance. I'm a maestro of the boudoir when I take off my pants. All of this is true, all of the above. I wouldn't lie to you. 
everyone's favorite Brazilian-American who has absolutely no Germans in his recent family history who arrived there via U-boat, Mr. Goad. Hello. Oh, I mean, not family, but I, I, I remember very fondly my uh, elderly neighbor, Mr. Hilter. Ah, uh, oh, uh, man, what a kind soul. And he liked dogs. He was a vegetarian. Oh, wow. Really beautiful paintings. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful paintings. Yelled a lot, though. Kind of ranty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he was a little deaf. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did, did he have cyanica? Did his arm twitch in a certain direction? Sciatica. Yeah, and he only had one testicle. Oh, cool. So, uh, to the left is the inspiration for a new generation of Star Trek aficionados. The man who can DM anything from the two games I've been in to the many more yet to come. Yep. Mr. Mike, the master of disaster, the MC of the Black Pants Legion, the Jamie of this podcast. Good evening. Hello. And I, I'll say this. That's right, Paramount. I can write a better Star Trek than you can. I have a better Star Trek. Actually, I think even, uh, what's his name? You, you've pitched, like, four Star Treks in the I, podcast so far, and they've all been, like, baller. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm well, Seth, like, I also think Seth MacFarlane can do it, and then Mike Soklasa from Red Letter Media. Just get any of the, get any of us. We'll handle it. Get, get evil. Don't get all three of us, though, because yeah. then there's going to be a fight, and it's, I'm going to lose because I'm tiny. It's all right. I get anyway. So, um, yeah, so this is a very special episode of what the Black Pants Legion. So you don't want to call it the Latvian Legion? No, no, I almost said Lack Pants Legion. Oh, like, like the Lack Pants, um, which I do currently. So, uh, we get occasionally lots and lots of emails and messages, and I keep telling people to go to the Anchor FM site and on the Anchor FM site to, you know, leave a voicemail, and people still occasionally write these very lengthy emails, and so I've collected these for the past few months and ignored them for the most part, trying to steer people toward Anchor FM. They keep writing, so I decided, why don't we answer these live? Because that encourages them. Uh, well, no, I'm going to say this is the absolute last time I'm going oh, to do For it. real this time. For real. For real. For real. Totally. 100%. And here's the other thing, too. Oh, hey, look, there's a courtesy. Fl- oh, that was like a corner. Yeah, so here's the weird thing. Is anyone listening on the DPL podcast is going to hear this shitter flushing every so often? That's just the sound of people hitting the... That's the courtesy flush sound. We're live. Um, That's yeah, right. Yeah, so we're we're to, the courtesy flush. Yeah, you need to go check the courtesy flush out if you want to know what that toilet's about and everything else. If you like point-and-click yeah. games and, and text playing Max Payne 3 very poorly. Yeah, yeah, we've been, if, yeah. If, if you want to watch people start screaming at a screen or play some old point-and-click. And or even game. better, Texas yeah. Scrambles part is, like, the best. Like, it Scrambles, Scrambles for Fallout Scrambles, one. Fallout was great. And Goat, you, you know what? Next up, you're going to have to play uh, Fallout 2. Son of Scrambles. Son of Scrambles. Yeah, so you have Scrambles telling his son. Yeah, to, like, me, okay. me tell how solve problem. Uh, me big brain. So... On top of that, we're also, because, so here's the thing, we, I threw that on the floor, we, um, so we have, like, two, two problems with the podcast, so I can only really edit these to get them ready for, like, Friday morning, um, on Thursday, I do it at my job, sitting at a desk, and, you know, I'm just cutting, editing, whatever, but here's the other thing, is, like, we were like, well, we still have to record a podcast this week because we're b- terrible at working um, and we don't have time for anything anymore. Yeah, so we, we're like, we, we typically do way too much because Mike and I will just sit there and we'll be go, oh, my God, I didn't sleep last night because we were up late working on blah, blah, blah. And then 
And then it'll come along like two days later. So and so wants help with this project, and I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's that's what we do. Yeah. You son of a bitch, I'm in. Pretty much. So yeah. we we essentially we we were like I I was talking to him today, and no, it was it was this morning, right? Yeah. And I was just like. Damn, well, like, I, I said I wanted to do an MRE stream, but if I do that, then I'm like, we won't have time for podcasts, because I'm going to fall, I'm not going to I'm going to fall fucking asleep right after this fucking, like, I'm probably going to leave this shit out here, because normally when we're done with this, we don't break all this down. Yeah, Mike's, Mike's going to literally collapse and go into a coma. I'm so, very tired. So we're doing an MRE stream while we answer questions. Mm-hmm. The dinner for this evening was provided by one of the Black Panther Legionnaires. Yes, that's right, Eurobeat uh, Bandit. Eurobeat Bandit yep. of Poland, a man who is a gun aficionado and a cool dude with superb taste in firearms and music. Yeah. So he has sent us a MRE, a meal ready to eat from what interesting country? Latvia, actually. Latvia. That's right. The this land of plenty. So I, uh, I, hold on, hold on. First, first thing. No, no, no. Don't laugh. Hold on. Everyone, put on your serious face. We are Americans. We know almost nothing about the Atvias in the stands. We, we, we don't. We couldn't find them on a map. So they they exist as far as I. They, they exist, right? Somewhere. Right. So, There's where Spalker took place, right? No. So that's Ukraine. But okay. What, okay. What, what we need to do is let's let's come up with a tourism campaign to help Latvia. Okay, the the little country. Let's okay. let's help Latvia out. All let's, right. Let's fill Latvia with a one sentence tourism campaign. Latvia. And then underneath it, something. And they can have this. We're just giving them the rights to it. We're helping out little Latvia. It's cheap. <laughs> wow. All right. That's a strong start. I, I think if you're going to do a tourism of Latvia, what you got to do is basically sell it like you could go to France and show Paris. And, all yeah, that. Yeah, and then you show, the price for the, you show the prices for, like, flights and, like, the tourism and eating the food. And then you go to, you're like, then you do Latvia. Then you do, like, the, uh, like, local music. And it's, like, really hopping. And everyone's just like, that was $5. Yeah. No, like, um, you just do shit like that. You laugh. I'm sure it's probably more than that. But, you know. I mean, you laugh. But I've seen tourism ads where it's, like, they show these, like, you know, beautiful countryside visas and beaches and shit. And it's like, yeah, that's Croatia. That was Bosnia. <laughs> well, here's yeah. here's what I want. Here's what I would do for Latvia. I and and I know this would attract people. You know, Slavaboos welcome. Slavaboos are welcome. Yeah, because think about all these guys love doing airsoft and Nilsim shit. Yeah, I would say as Latvia, I would rent out the whole country. I'd be like, oh, you want to play fake Soviet Union invasion? Here's a real oh, former oh, Soviet. Oh God, that okay. okay. Yeah, that's Uh-oh. the other sound you will hear, and that's people donating on they did, a penny. Uh, a penny, yeah. excellent. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't care about I, it. I, that's why they're like, you know, you can't really make anything with the penny. I'm like, fuck it, I don't give a shit. I'm, a, I don't want this. Like, it's, it's all going to fucking Jeff Bezos or well, whatever. Right, right. Because he's space rocket because he's totally not Lex Luthor. I, well, yeah. I mean, I signed the petition to make sure he didn't come back. But I, but, <laughs> but, yeah, but you're like, to be fair, you're I, like North Korea. This is your time. Right. Missiles. You've been talking about. Here's the coordinates. But if you've got the balls. <laughs> here's, no. here's the thing. I signed the petition for him to not come back. But in all seriousness, I also signed the petition for him to buy and eat the Mona Lisa. So he could probably do that. Yeah, like I, I, he would do it with. It'd be like that movie. You no, know, it'd be like that movie Red Dragon, where he like yeah. knocks the lady out and he's like eating it. And he's like, Do you see? He's gonna, you know what's gonna happen is eventually I'm gonna get Jeff Bezos out here on on the couch, 
and we're all going to have to pretend like we didn't say all that mean shit because we know he could make us disappear mid-podcast and nobody could stop him. Yeah, no. And That's the power of his, like, well. He could, he could clap his hands and you would be surrounded by Amazon drones that would pink you up and carry you away like butterflies in that meme. And they just surround you and carry you away, and then they'd all fly yeah. away, and you hit the pr- freeway. You just drop. You know? Yeah. So they pick like, you up so high that by the end of the podcast, when he walks up the door, that's when you hit the ground. Yeah. He's like, I like it dramatic. Yeah, and he was like, delivery confirmed. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's so, a sign here, sir. So, yeah. yeah um, but... Latvia, I, w- I would say what they should do is they should rent out whole parts of the country to these Nelson guys and just tell mm-hmm. the cops and the local mil- military to just shoot blanks at them. It's okay. Because, you know, they paid for the license to get treated as foreign combatants and, you know, use it to train your military. I know Montenegro, yeah. I think, has a shit ton of bunkers left over. It says, come to Latvia. We're not Russia. <laughs> I like, I like Latvia. Pay $5 to ride in a T-54. <laughs> Latvia, come for the cheap cost. Leave with more Soviet surplus gear than you can carry. I, I like the idea of, like, Latvia. Let's drive a T-55 to McDonald's. You know? <laughs> Welcome to Latvia. All the strippers carry knives. <laughs> McDonald's would be more expensive than the, Latvia. Than the tank fuel. Come visit the Russian-owned Baltic Sea. Oh. Oh. Kaliningrad. Yeah, uh, and it's Latvia, actually nice, <laughs> actually nice white city. Actually nice white city. That's where we filmed it. Uh, uh, that's good. Latvia, better than better water than Flint. Latvia, <laughs> from USSR vassal state to U- EU vassal state. Nice. Follow up to you. We'll do that when, when we get to nice white strippers. Nice white strippers. Hi. All right, so let's let's ask some questions. Well, let's let's get let's, into the. Oh yeah, sorry. We let's have a this out onto a trip. So everybody who's listening right now who probably didn't watch this. You have slide. to describe it with your words. So what I'm holding in my hand is this uh, olive green uh, package that just says Sausages Maisto Davinus. It also says Varying Pass in our four. Uh, which is a number uh, in our numerical language that we speak. This also says Sudetus, uh, Kroskinka, uh, no, sorry, Kroskinta, uh, Kialina, which is, uh, which is Latvian for uh, food that you're going to consume, or uh, probably... Esperanto, everyone, Esperanto. This also says Su Kruopalmus, uh, Padaze, 240G, one VNT. I don't even know what the VNT is. I'm sure it's number it, yeah, yeah, it, it, it contains it contains a whole Starbucks. It's, you know what's just about to say? Like in Latvia, they don't have Starbucks like on every corner like we do. They just have Adidas everywhere. Adidas. What if what if <laughs> what if you tore that open right now? What yeah. if you tore that open and inside it were two items? One, a carton of cigarettes, and two, a can of Oh, I was going to say, a carton of cigarettes and a Makarov. (laughs) (laughs) In a note, acquire food. Acquire food, hunt. It just says hunt. (laughs) So I'm going to lower the camera down so you guys can see it as I open it up. He's just going to put it on my seat. Yeah, that's totally what I was wondering. Watch the money come in. Oh. oh yeah, that's the your thing was spamming feet and chat. It was Taylor. Ta- the, the, yeah, Taylor, that was good saying don't don't spam fucker. That not me. You're fine. We're gonna watch you in the shower later. You're I fine. Agree. No no no. I'm I'm saying yeah, don't spam that, but you know. Don't feel like goat was goat hates you. Goat doesn't hate. 
goat just eats. Oh, well, I mean, that's what goats do. Anyway, so uh, what I'm holding in my hand is this olive green uh, package that has all these words on it that are in a language I don't speak. Uh, so I could translate this. And we could be wrong about be this like, being Latvian, by the way. Yeah, I could translate this, and it could just be something entirely different and most likely from another country. Uh, and I feel like if you want to hand that to me, please. I, I, I was going to say, I think Steve MRE 1989 handles these better. All right. Let me, he does let me, all the research. He does all that stuff. We're just going to open it. We're going to just pronounce what we can. Okay, there, there is, there is a, yeah, this is Latvia. Yeah. Uh, because go. it's the Latvian country code, so. Text only hands when, oh, fuck <laughs> off. Yeah. What I do like, though, is it actually says it contains exactly this many calories. Yeah. Right? So it's like, I need to have two of these to march a day. Yeah. I, I think that's actually kind of nice to yeah. know exactly how much. Yeah, because the calorie count's really important, and also just like yeah. energy. No, no, I I think that's really cool. Um, oh wait, oh cool, it has a tear top, which is pretty that's rare for these. Really nice. Okay, so that's yeah. that's what we're gonna have. We're okay. gonna eat this while we do podcast questions. But first, let's open this, describe what we got, and then yeah, we'll go well, right into well, the questions. We have to categorize everything, right? Exactly. We, we, yeah. So let's catalog this. Let's get this right. out onto a tray. Let's Hold on to the table. We have to catalog this, and I'm a metadata specialist, so I'm gonna use my master's degree. Very money, very money and time, very well spent. Thank you. This is the first time I've done it in a while. Yes, the Mad Cat shirt that dude is wearing is actually from Eldonius, uh and on his website. So go to Astray 3. Astray 3. Big Cartel. Yeah. Uh, or just Google Eldonius Rex and we'll go right yeah, there. Yeah, Eldonius Rex Big Cartel. That's where you yeah, his big cartel yeah. shop, yeah. So his shirts are pretty right. thick. I got I got a couple of so, them. I wear them pretty much every day at this point. So how, how easy was it to open? That was pretty simple to open. Um, inside so far, what we have That's here... An accessory pouch? We have an accessory pouch. This is a little Ziploc. little can Ziploc I, bag, so... Can I see him? Yeah, you can see Yeah. No, right. fuck off. So let's describe the items in here. It is a resealable Ziploc pouch. I got another Ziploc pouch with more stuff in it and... Oh, that's the yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, okay, the heating, so, heating so elements. There's, there's. Oh, so they separated the heating elements away. Yeah, that's, that's actually really nice. Things. That's really polite. Also, we can't fire those off inside, unfortunately. But no, we we'll we'll die of the fumes. But let me say this: so far, easy open pouch, bag sturdy, but hasn't opened on its own, and they separated the hexamine out. That's really nice. Yeah. So far, Latvia, you are a baller country. We need a better name for you. Um, let's see. Hold on. This is some sort of spread, mm-hmm. and this is a chocolate because it says chocolate on it. Uh, it's it's named Ruta, I think, and uh, yeah, there's some beverages in here, but I can't read enough of this to actually understand any of it. But I believe this is your just beverage and accessory pouch, comma jingle. Excellent. Okay, so what do we got here? We have some sort of okay. So this is a very small meal. I was expecting a little bit more, but it's probably that's probably for the best. Well, uh, hold, hold on. I'm, I'm going to open these hazelnuts here. Yeah, I was going to say, let, I haven't even described any of that yet. So, yeah. yeah so, Texas, little, so, one of the items was hazelnuts that Texas currently has over. You can actually have one. I can actually have one. So, let me... Motherfucker, those are fresh. <laughs> fresh <laughs> no. hazelnuts here. Let's have no, some. No, like fresh hazelnuts. Holy shit. Those, so, those the first are thing nice. I opened was this 
fresh hazelnut coming from uh, Klingai. Uh, mm, those are nice. Yes. Yeah, so no, those are really good. That'd be, um, that'd be, uh, I'd put, I'd pour those out in a pocket of my web gear. I'd, I'd just have some, some little pocket of hazelnuts. And, and then we have our main, which is whatever's inside there in this mysterious white box that I have to open. I don't know what's in here. And we also have these cookies or biscuits or whatever you want to call them. They're, they're definitely some kind of cracker, but they're very dense. They also feel fresh as well. And so let's let's get these. Uh, Remember that one country we had? They had black bread in there. It was like in a big greasy wax paper. So here is the. No, try one of those hazelnuts. They're really so you guys can see them. No, they're, they're really bread. This that says medus is honey. Oh, hmm. all right. So here's the thing, though. So far, those well, those are good. Latvia is doing pretty fucking good. These are really good. Holy yeah, shit. those are those are really nice. Uh, nice trying to do fresh, fresh, fresh fucking hazelnuts in a military ration. That's like this is the kind of thing you want in your pouch. And it's not salty. No. So it's you're not like oh I need more water. It's it's you guys just, think like because in yeah. most European countries they fucking put salt on everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Western Hemisphere thing. Well, except for India, for according to that recipe, you can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just made some curry. It was, it was too salty. Too salty. I apologize, but yeah, no. The um, it, that's why you need to test recipes because uh, different cultures have different uh, taste groups, and it's one of those things where there's like hot, and then there's Thai food hot. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have a solid man. Nice fresh taste. Great aftertaste. It's, I'd like to have like this is the kind of stuff that you want to have your coffee. Like mixed with. Yeah. No. I mean, that's amazing. So let's open that bigger pouch and see what's in there. Yeah, let's open the mysterious white box. Mister, what's in the box? What's in the box? Okay. Let's I also should point out, this is menu number four. I, I think I said that. Latvian menu number four. Is okay, one, all right, guys, start decrypting. We need to decrypt what Latvian menu number four is. We've got the whole fucking Pentagon working on overtime on this. This is the BPL. This is what we do. No, I don't know if the guy who played Silver Dan Shadowrun is here, but his character in Terrifying Couch lives on in my D&D campaign as a servant of a lich named Thanathot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post Thagrabot. Yeah, so, no. Yeah, no. Very... Thagrab is his current, his current Shadowrun character for a 5th edition game, much lower-powered one, based out of Ohio, is the Green Bastard, where he's this big, strong retard strength orc wrestler that likes to throw people out of buildings and beat the shit out of people and steal their swords. Okay, so they gave us a... They actually gave us one of these, even though we have a cooking element. So maybe the cooking element's for the tea or the beverages? It's probably for the beverages. So in this, uh looks like um, stewed pork with groats and sauce. Groats? Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Yep, that's what this is. I know you guys stewed can't really tell on the pork. camera, but that's what it is. Yep, stewed pork. Stewed pork with gro- uh, poke. Poke? <laughs> I got, uh, sorry, I got that. You from Bama? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Can I offer you a poke chop sandwich, y'all? Roll Tide. So, look, here's here's what yeah. we got. We got them little crackers. We got a retort. We got that stewed pork. I think... Hey, let's let's put this, let's put these in some hot water and have some mushy crack. Don't get that. me fucking started. Um, I I think that poor man got addled by the COVID. I, yeah, I think yes, that was a, that was a Steve is like you know what every now and then you just gotta get a little crazy. And it's like no Steve, I think it's the COVID. It's no, I no that was you crazy that shit. Was, Who was, puts the crackers in water? No, no, that was the problem. He's like, mmm, this is so good. It's like a pudding. We're like, no, Steve, it's not. Yeah. Steve, 
We need to get a hospital. We need to get into a hospital. Like, you know, it's he when he was doing that, it reminded me of someone who was like trapped in an airport and just trying to eat whatever was free and make it into something palatable. I mean, it was disgusting. He took those crackers and poured water in them until they were mushed and then just forked them into their ma- into his mouth and was like, mm, it's like vanilla pudding. And I'm like, ah. I no. remember when Steve no. did the Brazilian ration and he took um, basically flat mandioc flour and he just mixed it into water and <laughs> it was like grits instead of um, mixing it into like the, you know, the bean, uh, it was like beans and sausage. And I showed that to my mom who's Brazilian. And she was like, oh, my God, what is this? You know, what is he doing? And then he eats it like, mm, I'm gonna get it's water. pretty nice. It's like, you're eating, like, prisoner food, son. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's one of those things where I, I love Steve MRE 1989. I don't want to give him shit, but sometimes I watch him do stuff, and it, you'll see something that looks like it's made out of old feet that has been through, like, a food program. No, I mean, my mom liked it, and she was like, oh, he, he oh, approaches yeah. this with, like, no, like, Preconceived yeah, no, he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's why I like Steve. So I'm going to start asking these questions. This is the last, I promise, the last of the write-in questions. So first one comes from Madcat789. Good morning, Black Pants Legion podcast. I hope you guys are having a good day wherever you are, and that you guys had something to eat this morning. Well, yeah, I, I yes, did everyone eat this morning? Well, it's a lot being MRE pod- <clears throat> podcast. I guess it's kind of an appropriate question to ask. Fair. At the time I'm writing this, I'm talking with some fellas in the Battletech Discord, and the conversation steered toward Frankenmax, chiefly Clan Frankenmax. Namely, why don't we have more of them, or really any of them? I feel Frankenmax are an underutilized concept in the lore and could be fun. And then he goes on to propose some really fucked up Frankenmax and says the possibilities are endless. So, here's the thing. The reason the clans don't do Frankenmax is the same reason the U.S. military doesn't convert all the C-130s to gunships. You need different pieces. Oh, my God, that thing is, like, boiling a 